left off i'll try to remember what i have yeah let's said. just i i was i was gonna say we could bookend it but i'm like you know what let's let's <laughs> let's just start it again and I'll, i'm no actually worries. gonna bring it in right from here and it's like we're gonna start this again um sure. the, the only problem i ever have with that chris is it, my buddy and i when we first started podcasting we would do that and it would like we we do a whole show i remember we did a whole show on the movie um like thor the first thor movie and we didn't like how it came out so we re-recorded it and it was awful because you're you're not as it's not off the cuff anymore and you're trying to get the jokes in that you made and it doesn't I work get it. but i get it but I, i'm i'm sure we'll be fine i'm sure we'll, we'll be, be fine because we just love to talk about this stuff so everybody yet again here's my second at least my second opening how many times we've <laughs> scheduled this but chris deering welcome to the show buddy thanks for having me Oh, thank you for all of your effort <laughs> to get here. And um, like we said in the last time we talked, uh, there was an episode. There was a time in December where we were hours away, um, and you're you're yep. you got called away on, on a family emergency, and we recorded last week, and you got called away on a family on emergency. A family emergency, it, yeah, exactly. So and it's like, fingers crossed, no family emergencies yeah. today. I know. And it, I mean, it's not like, oh, buddy, I got to go get some milk. You know, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. it's serious stuff here. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. I feel bad for you. And like last week's, uh, we won't get into it, but you were, I'm like, it was serious. And you come back on and you're like laughing. I'm like, don't laugh. I'm like, like, I, I was just so laughing because I was just like, go figure. Like, yeah. you know, we, we, we were going to make this work and stuff. But yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, it had some family stuff, but like, nobody, everybody's fine. No drama. It was nice. just, you know, yeah, and that's what you hope for. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's uh, get uh, everything out first about, and then let, I really want to get into how you started all this, but Chris Deering of Deep Dive AV, mm-hmm. uh, everybody, if you don't know who he is, uh, you've been a living under a rock because he's one of the premier, you know, calibrators for sound, for video, for, I mean, and, it just all of the links are in the show notes and stuff, but, uh, really, <clears throat> excuse me, really excited to have you here because we've been chatting for a while, um, solving some issues that I had and stuff, but, uh, I just can't wait to really just actually sit down for a little while with you and just chat about, you know, the passion and how it started. So, um, take us wherever you'd like to start, Chris, how did you get going in all of this? Yeah, I, I think I started the same way. A lot of it, you know, I, I kind of come from an enthusiast background. Um, I don't have any, you know, I wasn't a video engineer. I wasn't anything like that. Um, uh, you know, I grew up, my my parents were really big on movies. So I grew up watching lots and lots of movies, going to movie theaters, renting movies, you know, movies, movies, movies. So always been a huge fan of movies. Uh, as I got into my high school years, really got into music a lot. I, I always liked music, but I really started turning that page in in high school where, you know, I was buying music, constantly listening to music, very broad range. Um, and, um, my dad had a, uh, before I was born, my dad lived in Japan for a while and he had bought a, 
a pioneer separates quadraphonic system. So we had that in our house the whole time. Of course, nothing quadraphonic ever played on it. <laughs> like, I think he had the stuff to do it, but we never, you know, like, right. I think like most people, like I see people all the time that, that buy like surround setups and they're like, their, their, their surround speakers are sitting on top of their, you know, left and right. And there's, you know what I mean? Like where it's yeah. just like, oh, it has more channels, but I don't know what they're supposed to do. Kind of, I, I don't know. But yeah. um, when I was in high school, he gave me that because they ended up buying, you know, a newer thing. So I had in my bedroom, I had four, you know, pioneer speakers with big 12 inch drivers and, you know, standalone amps, standalone preamp and all this stuff like that. And I just used it to listen to music. But um well, as soon as I moved out on my own, I, I had joined the Navy right out of high school. And as I, you know, anytime I came into a little bit of extra money, you know, uh, when I could, I, I started piecemealing like pretty mm. much everybody does, especially when you're young, Yeah, uh, threw together some stuff. But um, I would read a lot. I would try to go out of my way to read technical articles more than just reviews, read things from people that were kind of the industry standards at the time, the Joe Canes of the world, things like that. <laughs> And, um, I'm a sponge. I'm one of those people that I have an insane, insanely high retention rate. If it's something that I'm interested in, um, and especially anything that's technical, it's just, I don't know why it's just always been that way. Um, it was like that for my job as well. So, um, so yeah, so I started in, you know, piecemealed stuff together, got this, got that. It, it, and it's funny is like all of this kind of comes down to, um, I think when I was 22 years old, um, I was coming up on my first reenlistment in the Navy. Uh, so, you know, I had done my first four year tour and the job that I had was a pretty, you know, pretty in demand job. So you get a, a, a signing bonus for, for reenlisting because they want you to stay. Yeah. And, um, that signing bonus was a pretty decent chunk of money. And I had, you know, like a, I mean, probably at that time, I had like a good 27 inch TV, you know, because this is in the, you know, kind of mid 90s, um, 27 inch TV, you know, had an SVHS player. I don't even know if DVD was around yet or if it just had come out. Um, I was using like a Boston acoustics kind of like small, small speakers with a satellite sub and stuff like that. So I got this bonus in, but at the same time, so obviously I'd already really liked doing all this, but I was playing a lot of pool, um, like pool tournaments and stuff yeah. like that, you know, just a thing. And I'm sitting here with this money and I'm like, I, I had an apartment at the time, like a condo. And I was like, do I want to spend this money on a pool table? Oh. I can put it in my, what's considered the master bedroom. Cause I had a two bedroom one and it would fit in there. <laughs> And I could play pool or do I want to upgrade my theater to the, you know, the things that I, I want to get that this would yeah. be able to get me. And I, I, I tell you, I thought about it so oh much. Oh my God. And then uh, I ended up buying the theater stuff. So I bought a, a rear projection TV because that's what those mm -hmm. were the things back then. Um, I put in a full surround sound system. It was a uh, uh, Boston acoustics again, I think um, they're big VR nine seventies and stuff like that. And I bought the very first um, one of the very first at this, at that time um, Kenwood actually uh, put out one of the very first AVRs that had. Uh, so at that time, Dolby digital was pretty common. Um, in in AVRs, but DTS was like brand brand new on the consumer level. 
Uh, right. You know, you saw it in theaters, but like mm-hmm. it was right when it was coming out. And Kenwood had an AVR that was one of the very first that had both on it. And it had like this kind of cool little touchpad remote control. But I was stoked because right at that time, there was actually going to be some DTS stuff. And if you wanted DTS, you had to go buy those like standalone. I think Universal was the only one doing it at the time yeah. where they had these standalone DTS releases that were like, you know, more money. And they were, and so it was DVD at the time. And I already had a DVD player, but it was like early DVD. They weren't even progressive or anything like that yet. But there was a shop in Seattle that you could go buy these, you know, special DTS ones. And the funny thing about that also was that um, that was that that AVR came with, and I have it in my rack upstairs, uh, a DTS uh, music sampler. Um, so it had like six tracks that were recorded in DTS that, you know, because DTS had already been releasing CDs with DTS audio on them. And but again, like, yeah. But, well, no, no, not laser. I'm talking about music. So oh, like no, CDs, I know, but DTS yeah. music yeah, yeah. CDs. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even know about those. And again, you know, like trying to find an AVR that had DTS. I think there was like flagship Denons that were way outside of my budget at the time, but that was about it. Um, so I listened to, you know, once I got all this set up and I listened to that DTS, he was like, oh my God. So I, I definitely got the bug for multi-channel audio uh, for multi-channel music. Um, and obviously ended up getting into DVD audio and SACD and stuff like that. But had I not done all that, had I bought the pool table <laughs> and not the theater, I honestly would not be here on the podcast with you because that enabled me like to have a display that was good enough that I got into like, you know, I eventually bought a progressive scan DVD player and I, I mentioned this before, but obviously they didn't hear it, but, um, <laughs> So that, so once that came into play, I started noticing issues with the video, you know, more than I was noticing before, you know, you'd see Mm -hmm. some stuff that was like mastering issues, but I was seeing, you know, like clear issues with it. And, um, I was at the time I was participating on some forums and there was a local guy that uh, started up a forum here out of the Seattle area called the home theater spot. Um, and, uh, he saw me on, I think it was home theater forum at the time. And he said, Hey, I see you're from the Seattle area, starting up this new forum. And we're going to do like a big get together at a Magnolia design center that was in downtown Seattle. So it was a real nice theater there and everything. And we're going to, you know, have, you know, kind of a meet and greet, get to know the the local people. We're going to show a movie in there. They had one of the very first, like nice, uh, uh, DLP digital projectors when this mm-hmm. is when like they were literally just coming out. Um, and so I showed up at this event and I ended up meeting, uh, Stacy Spears of Spears and Munzel. Um, they're, you know, Mm -hmm. again, if you're like a, a a real enthusiast, you would probably have seen their test discs. He kind of, I, in some ways, I think he's kind of taken the mantle away from like back in the day, it was like video essentials that he did digital video essentials from Joe Kane. Now it's Spears and Munzel from Stacy Spears and Don Munzel. But but Stacy and I became really good friends. Um, he had a, a background where he was in the army for a while. Now he was working at Microsoft. So he knew what it was like to be in the military. We, you know, he's just a couple years older than me and um, we just hit it off. And I started helping him, him and Don were doing um, testing for a company, for a website called uh, secrets of home theater and high fidelity. And they still do reviews today. And he was doing the DVD benchmark and, they had found all these issues with these progressive scan players on how they de-interlace interlace video to progressive and all these things like that. I told him I'd been seeing all these. He's like, oh, yeah, these are things that we test for and stuff. 
So I started hanging out with him, started helping him out with his testing. And again, I'm a sponge. Like that guy is a walking, just uh, the, the amount of knowledge he has on video is just insane. And um, started working with him. And then he ended up getting me a job writing for them. I started doing reviews of products. And then I eventually ended up taking over all of the testing for the, the, the DVD shootout stuff. Uh, did that for a few years that probably gained a ton of reputation where, you know, I'm just doing objective testing. People were using those a lot to figure out what they want to buy. I was working with a lot of companies on, you know, you know, kind of pointing out their issues and everything else. So testing for gear or testing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're like, you would literally get companies that would be like, Hey, you know, we want to send you a player so that you can bench test it and tell Mm. us if we suck or not. And the funny thing about all that was, you know, again, I came in, like I didn't invent the test. Stacy and Don had come up with, Mm -hmm. you know, what to test. I added some on later as things, new things came out and things like that. But overall it was, you know, there were, but the funny thing about the benchmark was, is every test was clearly laid out. Like this is the content that you use. This is how you do the test. This is a pass. This is a fail. So I always thought it was kind of interesting that companies would want you to test their product when all of the test guidelines, how to do it, what's a pass and a fail, were all clearly spelled out. So anybody could have already done this. And, you know, I imagine most companies have video engineers of their own. I mean, that's kind of like what they do, right? Um, And then after that, I I wrote for them for quite a while. I was doing that while I was in the Navy. Um, It was nice working online because you you weren't under as as big a time constraints and things like that. And then eventually, I ended up taking a job with um, Home Theater Magazine, um, the the editor that took over Shane Bettner. Um, He ended up taking it over. I think this was right around 2010-ish, 2009, 2010. Um, I got out of the Navy, um, started a job in the, the government working as an acoustics engineer um, where I would test submarines for how loud they were doing vibration stuff and um, started writing. He basically asked me for like a year. He was bugging me like, hey, I really want to bring you on. Hey, I really want, what can we do to bring you on? And I had enough flexibility in my schedule that I thought I could make it work. So I started writing for them and wrote for them for a while. Then they changed over to Sound and Vision that the two... The two publications mm-hmm. merged and um, I, I kept, continued to write for, for Sound and Vision all the way up until the end of last year. And then um, I start. I got out of the government about five years ago and started this company uh, now of my own Deep Dive AV where I offer obviously calibration uh, stuff to anybody. But I also do education things for dealers or consumers that want to learn about things. And I do consulting for consumers and uh, industry. So on the industry side, it might be like, hey, you know, product development or, you know, like, what could we do to improve a product? Um, and then for consumers, a lot of it, I get a lot of people that call. They're like, hey, I'm building a theater room. I'm working with a local dealer. The dealer's saying I should be buying this, this and this. because, But I'm afraid that they're just saying that because that's what they sell or it doesn't really jive with what I've read mm. with maybe some of your articles or what I've seen online. So, you know, it's basically an opportunity to have a sit down with somebody and, and kind of have a reality check on like, hey, is this really what I should be buying? Or, you know, and, and sometimes I'm like, no, I, I this pretty solid, good recommendations, you know, based on your situation. Some of them I'm like, I don't know what, what this guy is doing to tell you to buy this and that. So just gives you a sanity check. And, yeah, you know, so um, 
it's a good service. I've had a lot of people that, you know, they come to me after and they're like, oh my God, I wish I could have known that you offered this before I bought all this stuff. Cause you know, a lot of bad decisions were made and stuff. And, and, and again, most people just don't know, you know, they, right. you know, it's like anything else. The marketing guy at the, at the dealers, like, Oh, you have to have this, this is what you need. And this does this. And yeah. You know, then they find out later on that's like, oh, I don't really like this. This isn't working that well. And they come to me and they're like, is it a calibration issue? I'm like, no, this is because, you know, the limitations of what you bought and things like that. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I um, your history is very similar to I was lucky enough to have um, Jim Doolittle. Yeah. Yeah. On the East Coast, uh, Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. So in the Boston area. Yep. And back in 2001, when I built my current theater, I just, I Googled them. I Googled like ISF calibration mm-hmm. and I had a um, uh, Mitsubishi 65 inch rear projection television put into the wall and read home theater, reading all that stuff, pro- you know, back. And I always wanted to get a calibration, you know, get mm-hmm. a calibration to know, you know, and it's. Like a lot of like a lot of people in this hobby, you just want to know what you're doing is right, and yeah. or the image you're getting. And back then, in 2001, well, it was January of 2002 when I actually got Jim out here. Um, it was you a calibration meant a ton back then. Yeah, it's a lot different then because you had the yeah. alignment of all the guns. They yeah. would usually wrap the inner side of the cabinet with like duvetine. I, yeah. you know, I, I, I was on the tail end of that. I, I got into calibration where I was doing that work, but we were moving into the digital realm where, yeah, yeah the, the amount of work goes down dramatically compared to those CRT things. So, yeah. And the, yeah. it just, I mean, the improvement you got was, you know, it Substantial. was like, yeah, it was yeah. shocking. And yeah. every iteration since then, when I went, I had that for probably three or four years and then I upgraded to a projector system and, you know, and Jim has been, you know, as you can imagine, I, I reference him all the time on the podcast. He is super. And this is one of the things I wanted to ask you, how have you survived so long on the internet? Because he said he met you a long time ago when you were starting out and stuff. Um, and his, his career is like with you in, Spears and Munsell, he's like that with Joe Kane. Like he yep. came up with Joe Kane's good friends with him. And, yep. but Jim, he told me a long time. What, what, when I first met him, he's like, don't read the internet. Yeah. Because, and I, I, I tell this to my listeners all the time. I'm like, you can read it, but it's 50% good, 50% bad. And if you're searching the internet, you don't know the difference. And it makes it really difficult because you can get bad information that it sounds okay. It's probably right in a certain instance, right? And, but maybe not for you. And that's like Jim taught me that a long time ago. And he's like, you gotta, you've gotta meet people, learn to trust them, take the information. And, and that's how I've been pretty much ever since then. So for over 20 years and he actually, I was trying to use an HD Fury before okay. I got my Lumagen. So yep. a lot like you with your, your first rear projection television, you saw an issue and you're like, how do I solve that? Mm-hmm. So I had an issue with my streaming was being like, I was crushing the blacks, the deep blacks. It was just not working with my Sony projector. And, and but through the Panasonic 820, it's great because you have the, 
Um, Built in tone mapping. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's calibrating it for your projector. So you're good there. I was running as a PD. It was really good there. Uh, but at times I was crushing like the opening of um, Harry Potter, the first mm -hmm. Harry Potter movie and that owl flies and you're just like, you have the bright light and dark background. That was crushing. Yeah. But streaming was really bad. And it was the mm -hmm. show Foundation. And I, I, I was trying to solve it. And I tried an HD Fury. And Jim told me to, to hit you up on, he told me go to AVS Forum. And he's like, talk to Chris. He knows a lot about these. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and I was watching. And I was going to say something to you, but it was so super complicated. I'm like, I don't know. Then I found out, I think I saw you talking to somebody about it. It's not going to do what I want it to do. And I, so I called. So you were doing an HD Fury trying to do like the LLDV uh, stuff, the low latency Dolby Vision stuff? Yeah, I was, well, see, what I wanted to do is I was looking for a standalone piece that would do what an 820 was doing. A okay. Panasonic 820, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. So the HD Fury is basically using the Dolby Vision, like kind of workaround. Yeah. Right. But it wouldn't. From my understanding, it just got more and more frustrating that that's not what it was going to be capable of doing for me. So I just called Jim and he's like, you need to get a Lumigen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'd wanted one. Every, I'd wanted a video processor since Farouge's in the 90s. I was like, that's uh -huh. cool to have, right? Yeah. And then so I got one. He set me up and he came out. We calibrated it. And I was just like, holy cow, that was yep. the, that was probably the best upgrade picture wise that I've seen in a long time mm -hmm. for streaming. I wouldn't say it's a big upgrade for discs. It's an upgrade for sure. But what it does for your entire line was was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but my point in all that and, and how have you survived on the Internet? Because Jim won't go on. He won't go on. the. He got so frustrated with people yelling back at him. Yeah, it, it is an interesting one. And, and, and it's a conversation I have with a lot of people that are like the quote unquote real professionals out there. You know, you talk, I, you know, I know pretty much all of the pro calibrators out there that have been around for a really long time. I know uh, obviously other journalists. I know other consultants and things like that. And if you notice, you know, like at the end of the day, like I would say that the biggest, you know, forum out there by far is ABS and you know, other than, you know, maybe a couple of them will chime in in the calibrator thread saying, hey, I'm coming to this area. You don't see them interact a lot with the other stuff. And uh, I, I try to interact. Um, I, I typically usually only interact in, in forums that I'm interested in, in, you know, like the products or, or whatever myself. But um, it's really hard. Like a lot of them, you don't know, just say that, like, you know, it's the whole pissing into the wind thing. Like, it's just literally an echo chamber of people that, that, you know, feel that they know everything and stuff. And there are people on there that, you know, know quite a bit or are, you know, you know like I, I think give really solid advice. I'm not saying that, you know, everybody on there is like, oh, just stay away from it or whatever like that. Um, it took me a while and uh, to finally just get to the point where I, I, I'm one of those people that unfortunately, I know some people say like, you shouldn't have to do that or whatever, but I use the ignore functions quite a bit because I've, I've just gotten to the point where, you know, there's some people that just, I don't know if they feel like they have an agenda or, or whatever else, but yeah. you know, it's just, it's just, you know, you just get tired of listening to the same rhetoric. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's people that 
you know, they act like a, you know, a, a three-year-old. They don't really know anything, but, you know, they're the loudest. They're the ones that post the most. They're the ones that have to be right and everything else. They're the ones that, like, if you're not, you know, jiving with what they're saying, you know, you have an agenda. You know, I, I can't I can't count how many times I was told, you know, I hear stuff that, like, oh, you're on somebody's payroll and you're just coming in here and trying to, you know, to get people to to do this and that and stuff. And I'm like, you know, and it's like, you know, anybody can make whatever accusation that they want to make, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, again, you can just get into it where you're just yeah. literally pissing into the wind. It doesn't matter what you say, you know, you're obviously the one with the agenda. You're obviously the one that, you know, just, you know, just does all these things. And, and, and I just got tired of it to the point where I just get you know, I just started using the ignore button and I, yeah. and I've gotten to the point now where it doesn't take very much because again, I want to be on there. I know that there's people I can help with, um, you know, things with and things like that. And it's just not worth my time. Like I, I, you know, I have a right. business to run. I'm, I'm very busy with that. I have two young kids at home. You know, my wife travels, like I only have so much time of the day for the things that I want to do for myself and then for my business and going on a forum and getting in a pissing match with somebody about ultimately at the end of the day, like, you know, we're talking about like, you know what I mean? Like none of this stuff, like no, in the it, grand scheme of things matters at all. You know, it's, you know, even in COVID that was interesting with the calibration business was that, you know, I just wasn't traveling, you know, I, uh, and some people were like, I can't believe you're not traveling, you know, like I'm fine. You know, you could come over. I don't really care. I'm fine. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not just you. Like if I go there and something happens and I get something from you and then I go to the next guy's house and he's fine, but I give right. him something and he gives it to his grandma and his grandma, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, I just looked at it. I was like, look at, I'm coming over to your house to, to tune your TV at the right. end of the day. That's all we're talking about. Making your TV look a little bit better. Like, w why in the world are we even talking about anything that, like, I could risk somebody's health yeah. so that your TV can look a little bit better? You know what exactly. I mean? I'm like, at the end of the day, like, you know, when I was working on submarines, the things that I was doing were, you know, like, this could this could save somebody's life in a time of war. Or right. this is something like, the, you know, this machine is going bad. And if it went bad while you're at sea, this is the bad thing. Right. Now I'm looking at like, okay, you know, your, your TV is going to go from a Delta E of eight to a Delta E of three, you know, or two or whatever, you know what I mean? Like right. I'm not saving the world anymore. Like it, every day is an easy day. I know. <laughs> so. and, and that it is funny because a lot of, like I was saying before, like the calibrations now, you really got to see the graph to see yeah. the cat to see the improvement that you're getting because it's like you know even going from like 709 to 2020 and it's like mm -hmm. oh look at how much richer this color is seriously <laughs> like, well it is because, interesting if you look at calibration when you were talking like 2001 the crt days yeah so much adjustment that needed to be done for like you know alignment for focus for you know and, and then you know at that time we had all interlace video so you had to like what components are you know what i mean like the 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 sources we had were poor poor yeah. to okay the the displays we had were good but not great you know yeah. and you were doing all these things like ferrugias and players oh. and all these things to try to take a, a, a marginal source to make it look a little better and then you had the calibration to take TVs that were frankly way out of whack and put right. them to where they needed to be 
Nowadays, with a calibration, like I would say that I'd say 90% of the calibrations I do are on projectors. I'm just like mm-hmm. my clients tend to be projection based. Um, yeah, you, you know, a lot of them, they're, they're not nearly as far out as they those displays were, you know, like the, the rear projections. But it, it is interesting is that, you know, there is there is adjustment that needs to be made. Um, but I, I almost feel like with, I, I, again, I would probably put it at like 75, 80%. You know, I don't have anything, you know, like down that would say it for sure. But a lot of it is not just about getting the color right, the grayscale right, the, you know, the gamma right, things like that. It's, it's literally like their settings are all like, you know, I was mm. like, you know, it's like back in the day where you, you come to somebody's house and, and they're like, oh my God, you know, this, this, and this. And you're like, yeah, you have a 5.1 system and you've been listening to stereo the whole time. You've been listening yeah. to all channel stereo oh. the whole time. <laughs> right. You know, and it's just a simple setting, but they don't know it, you know? Right. So a lot of what I do ends up being where you get there and you're like, you just see how many limitations are just from the settings. Never mind like the grayscales, the colors oh. and things like that. Um, you know, some brands are better with that uh, than others. But I mean, even TVs, like, flat panel TVs, like if you put it in one mode, your calibration is horrible. You put it mm-hmm. in another mode, it's damn near as good as you can get it. You know right. what I mean? Um, but how many people know what that is or or, or whatever, you know, because again, it. it just becomes the <laughs> echo chamber of, well, I like this mode because it looks so much better. There's so much more pop in the image or whatever. And that's the vivid mode, you know? Right. And then you'll get the people that like, well, I paid for a calibration and I thought it looked awful because, you know, my colors didn't have that snap anymore and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, again, reference versus preference and and all kinds of things like that. I always tell people like, look at to me, calibration and this is to me personally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when even before I was, a, you know, you know, an actual calibrator that, you know, offered service to people. I look at calibration like as me going to the movies. If I go to the movie, like right now, I said, "Hey, let's, hey DJ, let's go to the movies and let's go to the local Dolby Cinema and watch a movie." At no time from the time that we sit down in those chairs, are you and I going to be like, "I wonder if he put that setting in there." Yeah. If he didn't put that setting in there, it's not going to be right, you know. Or we're watching it like we're like fifteen minutes in, and we're like, "I think." I think we set that setting in wrong. Let, hold on. Let me go in the menus and see if I can get like, cause some, something's not right here. You go into a movie theater and you watch a movie and you take it for what it is. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have that expectation that the content and the projectionist set everything up and you're watching it exactly how it's supposed to look. You're not ever thinking anything different unless it's like grossly like, you know, like they, right. they have an alignment issue. You know what I mean? But 99% of the time you just sit down with your popcorn and you watch the movie and it is what it is. Like you're not thinking about it. You're just enjoying the movie. Right. To me, that's what calibration should be. You are hiring somebody that is a professional, hopefully that knows exactly what they're doing and they are going to go in there and they are going to make sure that all the settings are right and that the projector or display, whatever is set the way it should be for the content that you are watching because there are standards for everything you watch so that when you are watching it after that guy leaves, you're just like, it is what it is. Yeah. You watch this show. It looks amazing. You watch this show. It looks amazing. You watch this show. It looks amazing. You watch this show. It looks like crap. And you call (laughs) and you're like, 
hey, I, I don't know if I pushed a button or whatever. And I'm like, nope, sometimes stuff looks like crap. It's old, you know what I mean? Like right. the, it's an old master, it's whatever. Yeah. Well, that's the it point of the calibration. The yeah. It looks like. Yeah. It yeah, looks you, like that because it's not that's you, the master. Right? It's it, not your stuff. Don't yeah. touch it. And that's you know? why I always wanted a calibration because I yeah. wanted to know, like you without a calibration, you can't judge what's good and bad. Because it, exactly. it could be it could be you. Right. Yeah. And some stuff might just play better and it's going to look better because the source quality is so good that you're not your system hasn't, you know, it, it's overriding, not necessarily overriding. That's very lame yeah. in turn, but the flaws right in your system. Yeah. And it's for people like ourselves, you're I mean, it's you're only as strong as your weakest link in your system. And we're constantly trying to get our systems and eliminate weaker links, right? And then the calibration is part of that. And it's even now today, it's like, like I said, like um, Jim had me buy a Vivitech 5085 years ago. um, And he was like, I always would just call him like, I'm ready to do an upgrade. What should I get? And he would mm-hmm. be like, for your money, I'd tell him how much I could spend. And he'd be like, this is, it's going to look like crap out of, out of the box. He goes, but once you give it a good calibration, he goes, you'll be, it, I can dial this in and you're going to have the best color that you can possibly have and the best black levels you can have for that price. For right? the money. Yeah, right. for sure. And, and he was like, I'm like, okay, let's do it. But that's, but that's the point. And now I know every time I sat down to watch and you'd be like, wow, this is great. And I knew different contents and you'd be able to tell the difference in the content. And then as you go along, just like you, you know, like how you started out, it's like, you're like, "Mm, now I want to get a little bit better. And I just, it was, that was my projector right before the 4k projector. So, but, and I tell listeners all the time, I'm like, don't be chasing the Joneses don't be chasing people because you th- don't chase me because I have a Lumigen chase, chase the problem that you just learned about. Right. And if you yeah. don't see a problem, don't get one because you yeah. won't understand what you have. Yeah. When I do consulting, that's probably one of the first things that I talk about. Um, I get people all the time that are like, Hey, I'd like to talk to you. I'm thinking about doing some upgrades and they'll come on. I'm like, all right. You know, and they're like, yeah, this is what I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking about, you know, getting this amp or I'm thinking about getting this display and, you know, and I'll know what display they have. And I'll be like, oh, that really isn't going to be that much of a change or whatever. And I say, so, you know, so why are you doing that? And a lot of it is, you know, that whole thing of chasing, you know, the grass is always greener. Um, there's also the whole thing that like, hey, you know, and, and, and I fall victim to this, too. Sometimes it's just kind of fun to get something new to tinker yeah. with. You know, but I always my first advice to anybody um, is always if you have a home theater system, uh, you know, an entertainment system in your family room, a dedicated home theater, whatever. And you are are honestly thinking like, yeah, you know, I want to get you know, I want to get some new upgrades. I want to, you know, do something to it. You know, going on to forums and stuff like everybody will just say, you know, like you have to have this, you have to have this, you have to have this. But ultimately, more often than not, you don't need most of it. What I always tell people is, is when you go into your home theater or your family room and you sit down and you watch something, you know, if you're somebody that likes to watch a lot of uh, movies, likes to play games, likes to watch TV, likes to watch sports, what 
about your system when you're doing any of that takes you out at any point. If you're watching a movie, what's the thing during the movie that like something in your system distracts you to the point where it takes you out of the experience of watching the movie where you're, you're not just thinking about what's going on. You're going like, Oh, I know that scene, you know, had more base than that. And, you know, it, it takes you out. Cause you're like, Oh, there's my system right. not doing this or man, it's just so bright or, Oh, it's, you know, like the, the image looks always so dim. Why does the image always look so dim? I can't see what's going on. You know, those kind of things, things that take you away from the experience that you're there to have. Yep. You're there to sit and enjoy a movie, show, sports, game, not to sit there and be like, oh, God, what? why is it doing that? Those are the things that are going to make a difference. You know, just changing like I, I've got these speakers. I'm going to get these other speakers because I heard these other speakers were good. And I'm like, are your speakers bothering you? Like, have they not been able to do something? But they're like, yeah, but I keep hearing everybody talk about these. So maybe they're like, you know, something way better, you know, or something. And they might. I'm not saying that they're not going to be. But if your speakers aren't bothering you, you know, you're not hearing, you know, like clear tonal issues, strain, you know, uh, you know, any distortion, things like that. You know, maybe there's something else in your room that would make quite a bit more of a difference, you know, like maybe you have the wrong screen type, maybe you have the wrong kind of TV, maybe you, you know what I mean? There's, there's all kinds of things, but the first thing that I ask them if they, they come to me is like, well, what bothers you about your system? And when you, when I say that, what's not bothering, like what specifically, like this is bothering you and how is it bothering you? You know, it's not bothering you that you hear people talking about on AVS. It's bothering you because you hear this or see this. You know? Right. And that's the hardest part too, is when yeah. people get advice from somebody else for like, you should get this yep. and be like, but they don't know why. And nobody yeah. explained to them why mm -hmm. you should get that. And if you tell them why they're saying it, whatever it is, display, sound, receiver and you know what i mean it's like and then you explain it to him and go I, I didn't even know that was a thing right yeah you, so and i i always tell people I'm like you you need to experience other stuff and get out the, and that's when you and then go home and you'll watch your stuff and if you see something that you want to have in your house in your theater that you saw at another theater a demo room or something and you'll be like i want that's how I did it. And it's like, I, I just said recently, might've been talking with you last week. I don't know. I just said recently, I'm like, all of this stuff is even yourself. You're a professional, but all of everything comes from experience, right? You can't learn this in a book, right? right. You're not going to read like, all right, this is how to do it. And this is what these scenes should look like. What are you talking about? You don't know because yeah. all of these scenes were created by artists with different intentions. So yeah. now you have to, you have to remember that and now see that scene in all these different places and then know like, okay, what was the most consistent part of that? And this takes time. And yep. what, what's sad is people think, you know, you get into home theater and you've been, I've been at, I've been at this a long time. I've been at it for five years and I'm reading everything on the internet. I'm like, that's not enough time. It takes yeah. years and years of just doing it yourself and just watching and learning. And then you'll see a flaw and go, wow, I want to fix it. How do I fix that? And then that's how, that's how you learn. And it's like, I can't, I can't believe 
the content that we have now. The evolution yeah. of it come from where we were in the 90s, 80s, and 90s to mm -hmm. today. And you're just like, holy. And there wasn't a time in home theater that I didn't think, this is awesome. Right? Yeah. And now it's like 20 years ago, if you brought that stuff out now, you'd be like, Ugh. and yeah. it's, it's just amazing. Um, but people, I, I, it's what you're doing, I think, is, is awesome. It's your talking to people you're setting it up and it, before i talked to you like almost a year ago now um i would always tell people get a calibrator but everybody would be if they wanted one i'm like they'd ask should i do it should i not blah 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 and i'm like it's always a good idea if you're picky about it get one but have them come out and if they don't want to talk to you don't don't hire them you yeah. want somebody that's going to sit with you, be honest with you, tell you about your stuff, tell you about what they're doing, because if that's what Jim did for me, that's, that's what I do with my business. And it's like the knowledge that you guys have as professional calibrators, you can, you can sit and talk to you for five hours. I can't duplicate what you do. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to learn it and be able to, now I can start my own business. So Anybody that knows what they're doing and is good at it, they want to talk to you just like you. And it's like, have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. And then it, you get a relationship with that calibrator. And what I was finding is it was so hard for people to find calibrators. And then that's when I started hearing more about you is that you're doing them remotely. You're, you're bringing stuff to people that they wouldn't be able to have it otherwise. And, you, right. and, you, and you're spreading a lot of, you know, good information, trustworthy information, one customer at a time. And sometimes they're not even a customer. They're just learning from yep. you and then they go on. And I, I mean, it's, it's great. I, it's, I mean, if you can get somebody in house, that's preferred, but a remote calibration is the next best thing, especially with today's stuff. Yeah. Uh, and again, that really kind of comes down to the fact that I do projection. Um, the remote calibration, something was, you know, like I was thinking about it actually before COVID, but it helped a lot during COVID um, where, you know, there's just, I'll get people that are like, Hey, I live in, you know, wherever. And I, mm. and they're like, are you going to be coming through here? And I'm like, Nope. <laughs> like, well, I'm you and I not. are on literally opposite coasts. Yeah. You're well, in the going to different coasts isn't the a big deal, but. You know, if you're going to like an area where, you know, it makes sense, like I've had 25 people reach out to me in the last two months from New York City area that want me to come out and calibrate. Well, that makes sense. But if I have like one guy that reaches out to me from somewhere in Iowa, you know, and he's like, I might be able to get one other friend to, to you know, you know, get a calibration as well. I'm like, okay, you know. And everybody just thinks of it as like, yeah, but, you know, that's two jobs. And I'm like, yeah, but it's also, you know, me getting up one morning, going to an airport, sitting in an airport, sitting on a plane, going there, having to arrange for, you know, a rental car, trying to figure out where I'm going to stay. What am I doing in my time when I'm not calibrating? All these things like there is so much more that goes on outside of me being in your room. Right. And if I'm going out somewhere, you know, like, I, again, I have enough demand in, in areas where I'm looking at, you know, I'm going to be turning down work because I, I have a week and a half and I'm going to be book solid versus me spending four to five days to go do two jobs. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, it's like, what's, what's my, at the end of the day, I just don't feel like people understand what, 
what is your time worth? And I, my time is worth enough that I don't want to be going out for onesie, twosie jobs and stuff. It has nothing to do with that person. It's nothing personal. Nope. It's just my time's worth so much, you know. And, and again, I'm in the Seattle area. It's kind of a tech hub. At the end of the day, I don't need to travel anywhere. I have right. more than enough. Like my wife through COVID, I did really, really well without traveling. So now she's like, why are you traveling? Like your business was doing gangbusters, you know, the whole time when you weren't traveling and there's no lack of work in this area. So me going somewhere else, you know, and then you get into the, you know, this gets into other things, but they'll be like, okay, I got 25 people that have signed up, you know, this is just arbitrary, signed up in, you know, area X. And then they said, oh, I can't wait to have you out there. And I'm like, all right, I'll reach out when I'm, you know, ready to, to start booking that tour. I start, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get it on the calendar. These are my days. Hey, I had, these are all the people that reached out. I do like a mass email saying, hey, yeah. I'm going to be out in your area. It's going to be right around this time. If you're still interested in services, please email me back with your information and I'll look at dates okay. and, and I'll give you a quote. And then you give them a quote and they're like, well, that's, that's more money than I want to spend on that. Yeah. You know, like I thought a calibration costed this, you know, and. And I'm like, well, you know, this is how much it costs for the service. And this is the same amount of money that it costs if I go literally next door to me and do it at my neighbor's house. But I'm flying from Seattle to wherever you are. So there's all those travel costs and stuff like that. So I usually have like a travel fee that's on top of the calibration. Yeah. And I try to look at like, okay, it's going to cost me right around this amount of money. I have this many clients. So I kind of just basically divide it by that number. And that's kind of gives me a number of like how much my fee is per person on top of the calibration. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, there's a guy down the street that, you know, I, I, I could probably get in from the forum that'll do it for half that. And I'm like, that's fine. And, and you know, you can use him. But there was a reason that you got hold of me, <laughs> who you know lives in Seattle, and you want me to come and do a job for the same amount or less than I charge for literally my next door neighbor to do the same job. Right. So there has to be a reason for me to want to go from where I'm at to where they're at. And if if all I'm doing is making the exact same amount of money per job that I'm going to make if I just stay here in the Seattle, one of the biggest tech meccas of the country, there's lots of people here that have nice setups you know what I mean? Like yeah. this isn't, Oh yeah. I don't live in the middle of nowhere where it's like, well, I can't really be a calibrator here because I might get two jobs every six months. Right. You know? Um, so they don't understand that. I'm like, you know, I'm offering a service where you can have me, you're paying for me. That's right. At the end of the day. Yes. There are other calibrators, but clearly you came to me for a reason when there's all these other ones to pick yeah. from, especially ones that are really close to that area. But yeah, that, that becomes one as well, where it, again, I, I don't feel like I, you know, I, I'm a gouger or anything else nope. like that. There's guys that charge quite a bit more money than I do, but again, it has to be worth my time. You know what I mean? Um, and if that means it's a little bit more money, it's a little bit more money, but you know, otherwise like I, you know, what am I telling my wife? Like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go there. Probably going to lose a little money on this trip, but you know, yeah. the guy sounds like he really likes me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and stuff like that. So I know, I know. And I, I, it's, it's funny. I find the same thing with what I do and I, I, I paint bumpers for a living and oh, uh, okay. on, on site, 
So I go to dealerships and I'll fix them. A used yeah, yeah. car comes in with a scuff and I fix it up like in an hour it, yeah. as opposed to send it to a body shop. But I, I don't advertise anymore for it to go to retail and go to people's houses because you just end up fielding too many calls for like, you know, I'll come out and, you know, I'll, I'll give you 25 bucks. I'm like, yeah, no. I, you know, for me to get there, it's going to be this. And if you're further away, I have an X amount over that. And they're like, oh, come on. I'm like, it's just, and I, this goes way back in, like I said, to the night, it's just a little Ford Escort and fix it yourself. That's not what I do. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I, I'm doing a Ferrari next week. Why would I, like, <laughs> and I'm getting, and those people, you know, they, they know the money it's I'm cheaper than the body shop or if, yep. if it's extreme, they understand it's like I'll charge maybe what a body shop charges, but I came out, I banged it out. Your Ferrari didn't have to go to a body shop. You didn't lose anything. I kept the damage yep. minimal and there's a value there, but there's so the majority of people don't understand the business side and that why would I come up? I'm going to lose money by coming to you. And yep. that's like, and especially for you traveling around the country and it's, you know, it, it, I'm like, Hey, I'll be happy to come out there if you're going to pay the entire way, you know? Yeah. And it's like, bang, I, I look at what I'm making. But even that, that <laughs> see, but I even turned down those jobs because again, you know, like just some random examples. I, you know, early on, I had a guy that wanted to fly me out to Dubai and he's like, Hey, I will pay for, you know, business class, your hotel, all of it and everything like that. And, and you know, some people like, yeah. I'd be like, oh, wow, that, that, that sounds great. Now, again, I have a wife and two kids at home and I have a business to run. So a Dubai flight from Seattle, I want to say I'm going to be on that plane for 20, 22 hours, probably. Right. That's one way, you know, and everything else yeah. And I'm looking at like, okay, how long is a job going to take me? maybe six to eight hours, you know, like, you know, and that's probably me like stringing it along. You know, I know there's some calibrators that take a really long time to do stuff. I hear stories about it and I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Multiple days. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what's going on. You know, at the end of the day, I never leave a place thinking that like, oh, you know, I, I left a lot of work on the table or anything like yeah. that. But I'm also... I, I try to respect other people's time. I could go in there and just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's coming along, guys, and <laughs> you know, or whatever. But I try to get in there. I, I know the stuff that I'm doing. I, I get the result that I know it's capable of and, you know, try to get out of your hair. But um, the idea of like being gone that long for, again, one job. It, so the other thing that's different about me, and, and, and again, I can't make, you know, broad statements about other people that do what I do. You know, there's, a, you know, I, I know most of them. They're all great people and stuff like that. But everybody is different in what they do. When I started this job, I, I started it because I had a lot of demand for my services. You know, like, hey, you know, uh, you know, can I talk to you sometime about doing this? Or, hey, I know you have all this equipment. Will you come and calibrate, you know, and do all this stuff like that? And my wife was like, you know, you're turning down work all the time, you know, because yeah. I was doing my full time job with the with the government and stuff like that. She's like, and you love that stuff. Why don't you just do that? Like, you know, give mm -hmm. it a go. See what happens and stuff. And, you know, I thought about it for years, but my biggest worry was that I was going to take something that was like kind of my passion thing on the side, the thing that, you know, is kind of my escape and make it now into my full time work. Now, one of the pitfalls that I tried to to avoid with that is that 
I started this business without the intention of making it a business. I didn't want this to be like, I'm going to start deep dive AV, build this company up and try and sell it. You know what I mean? Right. Like this, I'm going to build this, build a big customer base. And then maybe in 15 years when I'm done with this, I'm going to sell it. <clears throat> I didn't start this business to uh, get rich by any stretch. I made a really good living. What I was doing before my wife and I don't hurt for anything. And I was just like, you know what, if I can go and do this and make about the same amount of money as I was making there, but without commuting every day, without, you know, all the other things that come with a job, a full-time job, especially a, a full-time job in the government, then, hey, bonus for me, you know, right. I can be more available when I want to be more available and things like that. So I have a thing that I'm like, you know, I'd like to make about this much money a year. And as long as I make that, everything else is gravy. And I can tell you that with, with, you know, I don't advertise, you don't see me pulling ads on sites. I haven't touched my website in probably two years. I don't do anything. And I have plenty of business that just keeps coming in. I, I'm still mm. sometimes gob founded on like, like, wow, they just keep on calling. And I, I'm to the point now where like, I, I, I could probably work three to four months out of the year and make my yearly goal without even breaking a sweat. So the idea of like, I need to be grinding it out on the road. I need to make sure I'm going here, 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 here. I'm not a grinder. I never started this business with the intention of being a grinder. Yeah. Uh, now that COVID's over, I'd really like to get where like I travel once a quarter. I'm like, I'm going to the Northeast in this quarter. I am going to the Southeast in this quarter. I am going to here in this quarter and here, and that's it. You know, like if you're in that area, it'll be during that time. I'll be back again next year. If you want to get into a, awesome. you know, a thing that I just come yeah. in every year where I'm like, I know for these months, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there and I'm going to go there and I'm done. I'm not doing this whole thing. Like, Hey, it's Chris's summer tour and I'm going to start here and I'm going to go to here and then I'm going to go down to here and I'm going to go over to here and I'm going to go over to here and I'm going to go over to here. Like, I know there's calibrators that do that, you know, great for them. I hope they have a really successful business and I wish them all the best. That's that I was never going to be that guy, you know, so no deep dive Winnebago tour around the country. <laughs> no, no. I, and again, my I wife, my wife travels and I've got kids. So it's, it's just, yeah. it's hard. Like I'll, I go in with the best of intentions. People like I'm in this area. When are you going to come through? And I'm like, dude, I have so many people that want to come there. I'm really hoping I'll be out there at this time. And I make every intention to do that. And then my wife comes home and she's like, hey, I got to go to Norway for two weeks oh. for an acoustic trial on submarine up there. And submarines don't sit there and take another call. And, and she calls back. She's like, hey, my <laughs> husband's got to go on a tour in Texas. Um, so can we postpone that that event for, you know, two like that's not how it works. So can you stay docked until my wife yeah, gets exactly. there in a couple so weeks? I met. I'm at the mercy of a little bit of her travel and she, her travel after COVID is, you know, gone out the roof where before she rarely ever traveled. And my kids are, I have a 10 and a 13 year old at home. I have one that's in college, but I have a 10 and a 13 year old at home and they just, they don't like it when I'm gone. So I try not to be gone a lot. And, uh, you know, it's that they're at that age where like, you know, there's a lot more interaction than your four and three year old. It's like, daddy, come oh, to a yeah. puzzle with me, you know, or whatever, like, they like to do things. They like to go places and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, it's hard to to be away from that, you know? Stuff, yeah. So. I, and the other thing is I, and this is where I thought you were going with the Dubai trip is I get offered 
to do stuff like not Dubai, but yeah, here something that's going to take me away. Yep. Even it could be like, say they were going to pay you two weeks salary and it's only going to take you a week. Yep. But it's not about the money at that point. Nope. Cause you're gone for a week, a just, just business wise. All of your customer base is without you for a week. And now yep. you're creating ba- for one person and yeah, you can make crazy. You could double your weekly pay that one week and get a paid trip to Dubai, which like, you're right. It sounds fantastic. But then you come home and your customer, but if you kept doing stuff like that and chasing those fun, it, it sounds great. Oh, Chris Deering has been to Dubai. He's done all this stuff. He does a crazy theaters, but it's your, and for you, it's your passion is seeing different people every day and, and calibrating yeah. these systems. And you don't want to be gone for a week. Even it's not, even if you got way more money, cause you want to, you want to keep that customer base happy. You want to yeah. keep your existing customers happy and not yeah. all of a sudden being like, sorry, I'm in Dubai this week. And then I'm going here and I'm going there. And it's like, next thing you know, those big trips dry up and now you don't have a customer base anymore. Right. And right. I, I get the it's same a balancing thing. act for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I get the same thing in what I do. And I tell people all the time, like, I'm sorry, I can't take you on as a customer because they're like, but we're going to pay you so much money and we're going to give you this and this and this. I go, yeah, that's great. But to do what you're asking, I'm going to have to turn down some work from my existing customers, which makes me unreliable, which my my business is based on my reliability. And yeah. it's like, you know, and it people don't understand that. And and I mean, it's it's great doing what you're doing and i've heard from more and more listeners over the years just like oh chris is so great he does this this and this and i'm like i'm like oh awesome i i never needed a calibrator um i have jim so i was i was great with that but i mean it was great to to meet you and talk to you and actually learn from your perspective because you are you are a little different than jim i think in my They're experience all, with them. All of, I think all calibrators yeah. are different than each other. Yeah. Which is kind of silly because if you thought about it, it's like you're measuring and, and setting to standards. It should be right. closer than it was. Um, I think in most cases it is. I think if you got like 10 top calibrators in a room and you're like, I need you to do a calibration to like, you know, for SDR. So Rec 709, you know, or whatever, you would probably get the the same result you know, for the most part, like 99% of it. Um, I just mean your personality. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're very different. And it's, but, but you're right. It's like his tastes and how he wants things very much align with mine. Yours do, but what you both do very well is you listen to your customer. What do they want? And you don't push on your like this is how i like my system set up right you you like what do you want what are you looking for and then you dial it in for them from there whether it's audio wise or video wise or recommending a product that okay if what are you looking to do what are you looking for this product here um but yeah but person yeah personality wise you're extremely different but both very passionate i'd expect that that. Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. So let's, do you want to get into a little bit of what happened with my Lumigen? And I can tell you what the problem was after about a year of trying to problem solve this. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So, um, okay. So you got a Lumigen from Jim, from Jim Doolittle. 
Jim Doolittle got me a loom. I don't, I don't. And this was coupled to what kind of display? Uh, my Sony 295. Okay. So Sony 295 with a Lumigen. Okay. Mm -hmm. 16 by nine screen or Mm -hmm. 16 by nine screen. And like I said, I was looking for the tone mapping. Okay. You know, solving that. Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening is I had the thing for like two weeks. Okay. And then all of a sudden, and I never mentioned this on the podcast before when, cause when issues come up like this, I don't want to talk about it, but I'm happy to talk about it now because okay. it wasn't a Lumigen issue. Okay. Okay. And I'm always weary of doing stuff like this and talking bad about like, Oh my God, I have an issue here mm-hmm. and I don't want to, cause if it's not an issue with the product, it can get a bad name. And I don't, I never wanted to do that. So I worked with Jim for a while on it and I couldn't figure out what it was, but here's what the issue was. And I I talked to some listeners that had Lumigens and I was like, are you getting that? And it was like, so the HDMI handshake is super important when you're dealing with a Lumigen, right? All all the way to the point of your, the sequence of how things power on is super important, right? Correct. So what ended up happening was the HDMI handshake just wasn't it, sometimes it would just not work other times i just it, it nothing it was just awful so you'd have to shut the, i mean it always worked but as i told you before you'd have to shut down the lumigen and reboot it again and it was like it made it so it wasn't just like a power up and watch television watch your movie right so sometimes it was but other times it wasn't so when i brought you in like a year ago um i was we we spitballed some stuff and i had already changed the hdmi cabling cable multiple times yeah Uh, did did i buy two from you or one i don't remember just to try because i would say 90 like in my experience more than 95 percent of the time if somebody's having a trouble with lumigen and anything yeah i i know it sounds like a broken record but cables are just especially on a 30 foot run i had i had a 30 foot run i had done 100 150 dollar cables i had done nice cables i'd done this i'd shortened it i'd moved the lumigen into the room and put a six foot cable i'd done everything still bad bad hdmi handshakes i had swapped hdmi inputs still got it but what i think what and that was very early on now chris the sad thing is all of this was literally a bad hdmi connection on the sony uh my hdmi one because when i when i bought my new lumen because remember you and i were talking mm -hmm. and i was like i i can't i can't i have the podcast i need another lumigen let me buy another one off of you and we'll i i can't ship one out and i talked to jim peterson and stuff and i'm like i can't lose it so you ship me the new one i bought the new one from you and i put it in and immediately the same thing happened i was like immediately yeah. yeah and and that's that's the hardest part especially for me with expensive product like this it's like i it's not as easy to just go down the street and get another one and try it out right yep so when you're trying to work through stuff, you're trying to eliminate, you know, causes or eliminate factors that it could be. And as soon as I put in a a brand new one that you had calibrated for my system and all of a sudden I got the same thing, I was like, Oh crap. 
and I just, I switched it to HDMI two. I got a couple of bad handshakes. And then all that was, was turn my pot. I, I, I went back to, okay, here's the power on sequence, program that into my harmony. It's been perfect ever since. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. So, so again, kind of for the education of people that listen to that. So HDMI is a two way protocol. Okay. So that means that anytime you connect a device, it's literally talking back and forth. It is not a one way cable, like a old composite or component video cable, where it's just, you have a source, it's transmitting a signal out. And then it's that HDMI is a two way communication system. Okay, so there's there's one factor. Two, everybody always talks about it's digital. It's either there or it's not. That is true to an extent, but there is actually electricity going through an HDMI cable, okay? Now, what happens uh, a lot of times with what you're talking about is that if... So let's talk about a simple... We'll just do a really simple display chain. You have a projector, and in your case, a Lumigen, and then you have Apple TV, Mm-hmm. Okay. Ugh. Three simple sources, you know, two, a source, a video processor, a T, uh, uh, a display. a display. So what happens is let's say that the first thing that you turn on is the Apple TV. Then you turn on the projector. Then you turn on the Lumigen. Okay. So when you first turn on the Apple TV, the Apple TV is going like, Hey, I can do this resolution, this, 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 this. Like if you ever go through their list, it's a lot. But right now they're they're sending a poll out saying, hey, what should I send? What should I send? And nothing's communicating back. And eventually they're just going to go, I'm just going to send this, you know. Right. And then you're turning on the projector and the projector saying, hey, I can do this, 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 this and this, you know, but this device is only seeing so much of that because this other product is not turned on in between the two, you know, or, or that product does certain things. So in reality, what you wanted to do was turn on the projector, turn on, so that the projector's like, hey, I'm alive and this is what I can do. Yep. Then the Lumigen turns on and it, sa- it sees, oh, I've got a projector here and it can do this. And then you turn on this source and it says, oh, I'm going into this device and it'll take in this. And then that device will output it to the projector. So yes, that startup order is... And, it, and what that's called is that you'll hear the the phrase EDID, EDID. Yeah. Uh, and so that's basically just that two-way communication because what it's supposed to be is, is if you have a display, it says, hi, I'm a display and I can do all of this. And then this is, hey, I'm a source and I can do all this. And then the two work together to make sure that whatever the source is sending, the TV can see so that you get, you know, right. video. And you're right. not going like, hey, I can do this. Oh, I can't do that. Well, I'm going to send it to you anyway, you know, kind of thing like that. That was the whole point of, of right. HDMI. Um, so you'll see that uh, startup sequence can definitely make a difference. The other thing is cables. Okay, so again, we go back to basic practice of cables. In the audio world, when you start talking about like speaker cable, power cables, anything like that, the first rule is, Keep the runs as short as possible. You don't want to have a bunch of coiling. You don't want to have a bunch of interference from another cable, things like that. So people would literally be like, the shorter, the better. You know, if you could put your amp right next to your speaker with like this <laughs> tiny little, you know, cord there, great, right? And stuff like that. So HDMI, you got a rack, you've got your, you know, your Apple TV, your Blu-ray player, your PlayStation or whatever. And then you have an AVR that you're using for switching. Everybody's like, 
I don't want to have that all that like coil spaghetti mess behind. I want like this nice right. little boop, 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 boop. Well, the problem with HDMI cables is, is again, they do electric and the um, each device has a different amount of basically, uh, well, let's just call it like how much power they're putting out. Right. Okay. So if you have a, most people will be like three foot cable. I think that's usually the shortest you can get half meter, three foot cable. Yep. Just going to get a bunch of three foot cables. It'll get from there to there. It'll be just perfect. Well, the problem with that cable is, is it's so short. And the output drive of a lot of these uh, devices is so hot that that cable does not have enough impedance to basically handle the amount of signal going through it. Now, it can handle it. It's just going like, dude, go through. You're you're golden. But on the input side, it's sitting there going like, this is way more signal than I can take. (laughs) Coming in hot, dude. You're coming in way too hot. Now, some devices are like, I'm fine with hot. I like hot all day. I love my stuff spicy, Yeah, you know, (laughs) but other ones are just saying they're like, I don't know what to do with this. Like I need milk. I'm like dying here, you know, and stuff like that. (laughs) So, so if your cable again is too short and again, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it makes it, it, you know, so cause some things have like what's called a high edge rate, right? Yeah. So what we found in a lot of testing is, is that you really never want to run an HD, especially with 4K signal. Because again, like as you go higher and higher, so there's a difference between 4K at 24 watching a movie and 4K 60 looking at an Apple TV menu or maybe playing a game, you know. And then there's, you know, as you get into the 8K standards like 4K 120 and 4 and 8K, they're even higher edge rates. So again, they're putting out more signal, so more in, you know, like it's going through hotter. Let's just call it hotter and colder. Okay. (laughs) So um, a half meter, like I have been in so many rooms where I come in and they're like, I'm just, it's just not where it doesn't work. And it's this box. I guarantee you it's this box. (laughs) And I go back there and I look at it and I'm like, Oh, look at this. They've got every single thing connected through a three, uh, a three foot cable. And they're, I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's your cable. And like, it's not a cable. I bought the best cables. Those cables are $400, you know? And, I, and I'm like, I'm telling you, a three foot cable is your problem, you yep. know? No, it's not. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to swap this cable right here. This cable right here, that's six feet. Okay. So I'm going to double your cable length and, yep. and I will almost bet you anything. It's going to fix it. We put the cable in. Fixed. Boom. And they're like, blah, 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 blah. well, how much is that cable going to cost me? Well, this cable was $10. <laughs> but but I had it shipped to me, so I'm going to sell it to you for twelve. Right. You know, you know, no. Oh, that's ridiculous. You know, but um, it, but cables is an issue. You know, one huge, yeah. uh, a lot of companies that make cables, in, including some of the biggest names you've ever heard of, don't even have their cables tested. So, like, if you look at a cable, hmm, let's see. So this one says. So here's a cable. So here's a bullet train cable, right? Yep. So this is just a three meter. I sell pretty, I, I, I recommend three meter cables, uh, like a little bit longer, but we've just found, especially with 4k 60 and stuff like that, that it's like the sweet spot in terms of how much attenuation you're going to get across that cable where it just almost, I just really? never have any people having problems with them. Right. Um, so this is a, an 8K, you know, so 8K, you know, so 48 gigabits per second mm-hmm. cable. So higher edge rate than something else, but it's a three meter. So not that was just, so this one says it's ISF certified. Yeah. You know, so you'll see like it says ISF, 
Yep. But the interesting thing about that is that that means that they did not get like uh, a certification from another one. Um, so, you know, so you'll see ones. I don't, I don't think I have one here that has the other companies, but you'll see where they're third party certified, you know, so like they actually took the, you know, their, their product, sent it to a third party verifier that bench tests, mm-hmm. you know, and when I say bench test, like, you know, there's people that have like, they have the Fox and Hound. That's one that, you yeah. know, like Meridio makes where it's like a little generator that plugs mm-hmm. into a little receiver. You put the cable through. Now that's fine. Those cable, th- that's like a good cable checker for calibrators, like to make sure a cable is working. But it's like the most basic thing. It's like, yeah. yep, I'm seeing a signal. I'm seeing the the little information packet get through it and stuff like that. But it doesn't like, like stress test a cable. So okay. when you the next step after a fox and hound that I'm aware of would be something from like Tektronics. So like Tektronics has one that almost looks like an O scope. Um, that one does like I can't remember it's stressed so it's running at full full edge rate like basically the upper limit of the spec for HDMI, and it's like putting packet information through. It's doing it at the highest output it can do it on, and it really stress tests the cable. Okay. So I work a lot with Lumigen, you know, as we all know. So Jim Peterson has one of those uh, Tektronics. I mean, these things are like 20 grand, so I'm not mm. buying one. <laughs> but like any cables that he gets through, he always tests them through that. So anytime I'm thinking about like, hey, you know, what's a brand that I should start carrying so that if I'm on a site and they're having cable issues, I could say, I know this works. I don't care about making money off cables. Like I'm, I know that there's cables out there that you can make bundles and bundles of money off of. I'm not in the industry. I'm I'm not in this business to try to make money on cables. I'm in the industry to try to make sure that if I give you a cable, it's going to work. Yeah. So I make sure that anything that I do gets tested on those kind of benchmarks. So I like bullet train. I really like tributaries, but tributaries is a lot more money. But Mm. then again, like some people like, so here's a, Here's a tributaries cable. I mean, a, a bullet train cable, simple black jacket, yep. you know, generic cable, you know, but some people are like, Hey, I don't like that. You know, I want something that looks like, uh, I'm actually looking through my uh, emails to see what, what I bought from you. I think it was a bullet train. I yeah. Think. I think you bought a bullet train. But I also see, so like, here's a tributaries cable. So now you see how it's got like a nice fabric jacket on there and stuff like that. But some people, they see their cable. So they like, I want the jacket, you know? Right. So this cable might cost, you know, $20 more. It might cost $100 more, you know? But again, I know both of them will work, but I'll be like, hey, you know, you want this one? It's this much money. You want this one? It's this much money. I used to uh, pretty much just forward everybody on and, and tell them to buy monoprice, Monoprice mm. has really good, you know, had HDMI cables. They're certified and everything like that. And they still work pretty well. Um, the problem I've had with them is their mechanical build doesn't seem to be as good. So, like, you'll Uh-oh. get a cable in, it'll work, but it'll start to fail after a certain amount of time. I used to have a bunch of Monoprice cables in my in my setup, especially for, like, when I'm doing temp setups and stuff. And it just gets to the point where, like, all of a sudden they don't work. And then I'll just get another one and plug it in, same cable, and it works but that one won't anymore. So I don't know if it's like a, a quality of like, you know, where their connector is or something, but I was just getting, and then I'd start getting clients that I'd referred said, Hey, just buy this cable from Monoprice. It's 12 bucks. Now, the nice thing about those kind of cables is, is that ever like, Hey, this will work and it's $12. 
where like, let's say this cable here will work the same, you know, a three meter tributaries. And I don't know how much this one is, but let's say it's a hundred bucks, right? right? Well, okay. Yeah. That mono price one might fail in six months or a year or a year and a half, but you can buy what eight of them for yeah. the same price as this. So you can have a bunch of ready spares. And I would always <laughs> tell people that I'm like, dude, if you go and you buy this HDMI cable from Monoprice that I tell you to buy, buy five of them. Right. So you have, because they're like, sometimes they're like eight bucks each. I'm like, dude, 40 bucks. And you have a bunch of hot spares for yeah. like, you get another component or whatever else <laughs> in. But, um, but again, you know, then there's the hassle of like, uh, you know, where the stuff that, you know, I, I, I'm trying to get something that like you put it in and you're done with it. But so yeah, the different it bandwidths. Forget it. And that's what, I mean, and the other part, like you were saying is like, you're paying for let's eliminate this from ever being an issue yeah. okay i know it's not going to be that and that's why i've i bought multiple cables in this lumagen issue yep. and i was i was happy to do it i'm like look i'm like whatever it is let's do that and i know okay that I, i've eliminated that multiple times <laughs> but yeah. it, it was you go i have a I have a bunch of cables myself for like, somebody's like, Oh, can you come over and set my stuff up? And I'm like, okay, here. And it's same thing, a bunch of monoprice in their bags. I got them all in a, in a folder, not a folder, a bin over here, but yep. it's it, the, the six, the six foot thing. Very interesting. Um, Jim has been Minimum telling me of that six foot. for like Never put years. an HDMI cable yeah. that's under six feet ever. Yeah. Don't yeah, do I, it. I couldn't wrap my head around that when he first told Jim told me like 10 years ago, probably. And it's funny. You said about 4k, it's probably right around the time 4k came out and you're, yep. you're trying. And I wasn't even running 4k, but he was just like, this is what you gotta do. I'm like, okay. Higher bandwidth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what can make an HDMI input go bad? Cause I've, I've had it done. I've had it happen to me on a receiver in the past and all of a sudden just whatever input that was, you're like, what the hell? It, it's Almost just not all of that is electrical. So mm -hmm. if you live in an area where you get surges or you get like just power comes on and off, on and off, on and off, um, that you can get little surge spikes. HDMI chips are real sensitive to it. Um, so the other thing is hot plugging. Like everybody does it. You do it once and you think, oh, nothing happened then. It, it'll be fine. I do it all the time. I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Yeah. But that whole thing of like unplug and plug it in while the both sides are hot. You can get a surge through that. Yeah. Um, I hear that from Jim all the time where he's just like, yeah, this guy's having an issue. I think it's this. And then it ends up coming back and he's like, yep, that, that chip, the input chip was blown out. So it was probably either a power surge or they were hot plugging. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it says right in, if you look in the HDMI spec that you should never unplug or plug in an HDMI cable under power, because again, there is power going through it. And depending on how hot the load is going through, you might get a, just enough of a right. spike that it's just... And the load from a Lumagen has got to be super hot. <laughs> yeah, so a Lumagen is designed where it has a, a little bit higher on the voltage swing. It's all within spec, but yeah. so would an AVR, you know, because again, they're expecting to do a long run out. Um, so the other thing that's that's really causing... had so many problems lately in the HDMI world is the whole thing that now we have HDMI 2.1 with 8K. So now you're getting, you know, like, hell, I think if you go on Monoprice now, they don't even sell 4K cables anymore. You're getting where everybody's like, oh, I'm just going to run an 8K cable through my ceiling and stuff. and I'm going to be future proof. But again, those cables are designed for a higher edge rates. So you'll get where like nothing in your system needs that bandwidth. 
but you you buy a cable that's a 30 foot long cable that's an AK and you're thinking like I'm I'm golden. I'm never going to have to pull that cable again. But that cable isn't designed for the signals that you're putting through it. Hmm. So and I always tell people like I, I find this humorous because when we just had 4K, 4K cables are 18 gigabits per second. 8K cables are 48 gigabits per second. Okay. When we were in 18 gigabits per second, hell, 75% of the cables out there sucked. Like they didn't work. Like, you know, people were like, make sure you buy certified ones and stuff because people were just constantly having HDMI problems. Then this, this completely unreliable, you know, connection system that's known as HDMI all of a sudden comes out with a new spec and says, we're going to go, you, you thought we were unreliable at 18. We're going to do 48 through the same cable. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going like, yeah, that's going to work, you know, but everybody's like, well, yeah, but you know, it should be, should make it really easy for the old signals. And I'm like, that's not how it works. So, so many people putting in 48 gigabit cables that don't need them. Like, I'm like, what's in your system? I have an Apple TV. I have a, a, you know, a Panasonic Blu-ray player and a cable box. Nothing in there needs HDMI 2.1. The only people that need HDMI 2.1 are PS5 and Xbox Series X player uh, gamers that want to play 4K 120 uh, games, which means that you have to have a display that's capable of 4K 120. So again, I do a lot of projection stuff like the amount of people that have that is really small. There's only like, what, three projectors out there, four projectors that can even do that. Yeah. Um, So the odds of that being a thing are, are, are really small, but people just keep on buying, you know, like, Oh, but that's, that's that, you know, as opposed to, you know, cables that are, you know, tailored for the bandwidth that are going through there. And, and I know it will work. And this really matters a lot more on the long runs than the, the shorter ones. Again, I would still say you, you know, I always recommend a three meter cable from a source to a switcher, whether it's an AVR, a Lumigen or whatever, but on long runs, pretty much anything that's over 12 feet active fiber cable, don't use a passive, use an actual fiber optic cable, not a passive cable, even though, you know, well, passive cables worked in the past. These are designed really well for that. And unless again, you are a running gaming at 4k 120 or some, you know, the really even more odd one that like 8K from a PC or something like that. Just run 4K cables that are certified to 18 gigabits active fiber cables. Oh, and yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times that fixes so many issues with people. Lumigens, non-Lumigens, anything. Like, yeah. It, it, it's so HDMI interesting. Is, is awful. It's awful. Is, is, see, I hear that a lot and I'm like, is it? Is it as bad as it used to be though? Like I I I look at it from okay, HDMI has its issues, but I I really think it's so much better than it was back when we had RCA cables, coax, super yeah, video, you had more cables then. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it was like But they were all like okay, yeah, you're right. Now it's one cable to rule them all. Right. But when I was running component video cables, that was literally like plug it in and it's done. Like you never, I never had a component cable fail. Right. I never had a digital RCA fail. I never had a toss link cable fail. Hell, I took those fiber ones and you like, you find these hard kinks and it's still getting through. Yeah. You know, it's just, you had more of them, 
Um, the problem with HDMI is that we all know that there's better cables out there. So like DisplayPort would have been way better than HDMI. Oh, okay. It's way more reliable, has more bandwidth. Um, it doesn't have the same audio uh, coding stuff through, so you don't have as many audio issues with DisplayLink. Um, and, you know, honestly, I would have just liked them to gone to HD Base T. Uh, so you're just running Cat6 everywhere. Okay. That cable yeah. has so much bandwidth. You can buy it for pennies, you know, for literally pennies, you know, and just run it through whatever. You know what I mean? Like you're going to run a, a, a Smurf tube from a projector to a rack run five cat six cables through there. And you know yep. what I mean? It's like, and it would probably cost you a fraction of what like one HDMI cable would get, give you and stuff like that. But okay. of course, you know, that, I'm sure well, that, there was politics or whatever else involved, but that makes sense. Cause I'm looking at it from the perspective of what I used to know and like what you had to do. And it's like, Oh, for the better quality, go to this one. But, but there were so many options, so many ways to screw it up. But you're also bringing the perspective, which I hadn't even thought of. It's like, you know, there's better stuff out there than any yeah. to, to, to run instead of yeah. HDMI. So I didn't, I didn't even know that. And yeah. do you think they ever get away from it or no, is, it's no. a monster at this point? Everybody's got it. You know, they, they've got their hands in it. You know, again, it, like I thought for a little bit that there was maybe a chance that HD base T would take it over, but it's not. And we're just, yeah, we're just stuck with it. So it is what it is. Yeah. It causes more problems than anything else. Every time I get around pro people, the first thing they talk about is like, you know, HDMI stuff. Um, it's just, yeah, it sucks. It's, yeah. And it's, and, and what I've found is it's more, it, the higher end you go, the more and more complicated it is because it's like, you just that, that obviously with me and this it's with the lumagen and you're like i i've had them fail before inputs and then you just switch it out and you're like okay but i it but it's i think the more i felt like the more complicated it got the more it would show the hdmi issues so a lot of the reason that you see like uh hdmi problems with hiring gear um let's think about it okay so uh, an AVR would be a great example, you know, has a lot of HDMI inputs, usually a couple outputs on there. So if I'm Denon, so like I, well, I, I mean, let's, let's be frank. The most popular midline brand is DNM. So it's going to be Denon Marantz, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, there's Onkyo still around. There's Pioneer still around, but let's be honest, like Denon and Marantz are like literally the 800 pound gorilla, right? Yep. So when Denon and Marantz, you know, are, are, are sourcing HDMI chips because they don't make them. They're going to buy them in lots of a billion. I, you know, I don't yeah. know, like they're, they're buying huge numbers of chips and most likely they're buying it from like Panasonic or something like that, that make HDMI, you know, chips and stuff like that. Um, so if I'm Lumigen, but like Lumigen's one example, but let's go in the AVR world. If I'm Storm, Datasat, Trinov, um, you know, all of these like boutique high-end brands. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for every Trinov Altitude 32 that's sold, let's say Denon and Morant sell a thousand AVRs. And I'll bet you that number is probably not that far off. If anything, I might be a little on the low side. Yeah. Okay. So when Trinov is buying HDMI chips, they're not buying them in the same batch load as somebody like Denon and Morant's are. Okay. So again, I do a lot of work with Lumigen. You know, he 
he, you know, he would love to be able to have HDMI chips from brand A versus brand B, but brand A won't even consider selling a chip to, to Lumigen because the number of chips that he's going to buy is like pathetic. You right. know what I mean? Um, right. Compared to, you know, brand A, B, C, D, E that are buying them by like the, you know, the dumpster full. They're going to literally have like a, a shipping crate of nothing but their HDMI chips going across the ocean where with Lumigen, you could, you know, maybe put it into a small FedEx box or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, you know what I mean? It, it's a fair yeah. comparison because again, it's a smaller market. Um, so it, it's almost impossible to source chips from the places that make like the really good chips that are more reliable, the Panasonic's of the world and things like that. So, you know, you might be sourcing them from, you know, this company or this company where they make decent chips, but it's different. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So uh, quite a while ago, I worked with Anthem. This is like back in the, I, I helped a little bit with the the uh, testing and development on the D2V, which was their first um product that had hdmi and it, it also had video processing in it and i remember after they launched it um you know i talked to them over the first year and they were like we're never going to do this again and i'm like oh and they're like yeah they're like we spend 95 percent of our r&d tech support resources on literally like this doesn't work this doesn't work with your product this doesn't work with your product this doesn't work with their product where they're like trying to figure out like, and a lot of it was like satellite boxes, cable boxes, things like that, which, you know, everybody had at the time, still a lot of people have where they get it in, they'd find, you know, they'd source one and get it in. And then they, they, you know, they had the things to test it all. And they're like, these guys aren't even close to the HDMI spec because there's nothing that says that like you, thou shall, like there's a spec that you're supposed to meet, but people just do whatever they're going to do willy nilly. So now Anthem was sitting there like literally having to backdo their code to make it where it would work with all these exceptions. And they have to do this with like product after product after oh. product after product after product. Because at the end of the day, what are they going to do? Like call up, you know, Comcast or whatever and say, hey, your cable box isn't doing this. You need to fix it. And they're like, who are you and why do we care? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Lumigen's the same way. Like they were talking about like, you know, their code is based on so many things that over the years with HDMI that like this doesn't work, this doesn't work, where they've had to like put like this backdoor stuff to make it work with these different devices. So you have all this compiled code to make it where going forward, you know, the next guy doesn't have that problem and things like that. So it, like I said, HDMI sucks. That's my stance on it. I stand by it. I wish I would... If if I had one wish right now for this industry, like if somebody came to me and said, Chris, you can make one change in this industry right now, what would it be? Without a doubt, the, it wouldn't even, I, you wouldn't even see me blink. I'd be like, let's get rid of HDMI. So, and I would say like, go to DisplayPort, go to HDBase-T, and those might have some issues, but DisplayPort's what the pro world uses. You see it in the PC, you know, area, but you also see it in like, you know, if you go into like studio work and stuff like that, they're... Display port, you know, like just like before, we used to have component video, and they used SDI. SDI was insanely reliable, um, things like that. But of course, you know, consumer side, they got to they got to make money, so they got to have something that's like, well, you know, I can tell you right off the bat that 
75% of the cables they're going to buy aren't going to work, but you're going to sell more of them. <laughs> oh, you know, so yeah, you, you know what I mean? I, I honestly think that like, you know, I, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I swear to God, like how many years have we been, you know, kicking this can down the road with all these problems? Like at some point you're like, all right, you know, like, come on guys. Like we all know this is something's wrong here. So there's no way to solve it though, right? You don't nope. see a way to make it better in the future. Like 2.2 couldn't be, you couldn't solve it. No, because it. what it's just inherent. I mean, again, I've been around to know like HDMI yeah. 1.4A, 1.4B, 1.4C, 2.0A, 2.0B. Oh, you know, oh, they fixed it. But then they, now they have three other things that don't work, you know, and you know, HDMI was designed as a two-way, so there was HDMI CEC, you know, and it was supposed to be like, look at if you turn on one thing, it'll turn on everything else because it's so smart. It's a trigger. And then yeah. what talk to a calibrator, talk to any installer. What's the first thing they do? Turn all that crap off because as soon as you have that stuff on, nothing works the way it's supposed to. Because it's like telling this to do this when it really shouldn't be doing that and doing this and doing that. And you know, it's like literally, like watch any tech video. The first thing they tell you to do, turn off HDMI CEC. You know, so then what HDR, so like, again, this like segues into, to another thing. So HDR, right? Yep. So the whole thing with HDR was, um, oh, you know, we're going to have metadata. We're going to have all this stuff that's going to tell your display exactly what it needs to do. I'm like, you couldn't even get it to turn on and off, right? Off through an <laughs> HDMI cable. Now you're saying uh, like, I should rely on you to make sure that like every little part of the picture is right. Like, come on guys, you couldn't even get this right. right. Now you're talking about all this and what happened? Like 90, per, you know, I'd say 50% or more of the content, the metadata is static and it like some random number like this, like what? <laughs> Let's see what the random generator does today, guys. Boom, you know, and stuff like that. Like, it's not there. It's wrong. It's like flipped around where because, you know, like there's metadata that has to do with like what the mastering monitor was versus the uh, metadata for what the, the content is. And the content's higher than the mastering monitor. Not sure how that could be, you know, things like that. Where, and, and again, like these displays are using this data to like make intelligent decisions about how this content is supposed to be shown. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's like, how many times do we have to learn the same, the same thing over and over again? But we don't, you know what I mean? Like it, the industry just continues to make the exact same mistakes over and over again. This yeah. segues into another thing, HDR, you know, like probably not something we were going to talk about, but HDR, perfect example. People talk, I I've done so many like different, like, you know, events and talks and blah, blah, blah about HDR. And, um, you know, I always sit there and I say that like HDR is not supposed to be a bright format. It's supposed to be a dynamic format. So high dynamic range, literally the name yep. tells you everything. Exactly. You need <laughs> right. So, um, so the industry decided like, you know, Dolby, you know, decided, you know, HDR is the thing and it is, it's amazing when it's, mm. when it's done, right. It looks fantastic. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have a problem with, like, the concept of HDR. Right. But, again, the powers that be, and mostly engineers, and, you know, again, I'm an engineer by trade, but I realize, like, I used to work on a lot, a lot around, around a lot of engineers that I'm like, you live in a bubble, man. Like, you know, the application of what you're talking about, you need to get out there and understand the application, right? Right. So HDR, high dynamic range. The whole point is that it's, you know, you know, 
you have all this room from black into whatever brightness. And as the differences are more dynamic range because your black never changes, but your white level does, you know, so how bright it is compared to this, you know, so, but again, always assuming, you know, your black doesn't change. So in projectors, we don't do that. If you, if you have more brightness, your black moves with it. You only have a finite amount of dynamic range where like mm. OLEDs and stuff, like they do this, they keep getting yeah. bigger where right. yours just does this. Right. So, um, High dynamic range was also designed around what's called an absolute imaging system. So when we used to watch our CRTs or we watch, you know, SDR content or whatever, we use what's called gamma. Okay. So you, you'll hear that term all the time in, in stuff. So the industry standard is 2.4. Back in the day, people used 2.2. You hear the word 1886, you know, thrown mm -hmm. around here and there. They're all gammas, right? But they're what's called a relative system. And all gamma is, is in a nutshell, is you, when you measure a display, it knows where your black is and where your white is, right? So you've defined those two points. And when you have a video signal, a video signal has stuff from black all the way to white. So there is a ratio of like, okay, at 0% signal, I have nothing. But mm -hmm. at 1%, I have a certain amount. At 5%, I have a certain amount. At 10%, 20, 50. And that ratio is your gamma. So how much brighter 5% should be in a signal versus 50% versus 75%. So right. it's also how, like, if you thought of a video signal is how it comes out of black and continues up until it gets to white. So if you think about it as like a ramp of your luminance, okay? Yep. So... Again, gamma, as we think about it, like a 2.2, 2.4 is a relative system. And when I say that, that means that if I calibrate your gamma, it, cal it measures your white and measures your black. And then it determines where those points should be based on those two variables. Right. So if you have a lower white, you know, it's going to be a different amount of light at each point than if you have a lot of light. You know, again, and they're right. trying to keep essentially a ratio between each of the steps. Okay. Yep. Now, HDR is what's called an absolute format. So they, you know, so let's say, you know, it's a thousand nits, right? Yep. They track absolute from black is zero. One percent is one percent, like one nit, two nits, three nits yep. to a thousand nits. And it is a perfect curve. There's no yep. curve. There is no you measure this and it changes it based on the fact that you only have this much light. It is designed to be that if you see, if it's 300 nits, it is 300 nits on that screen. Right. Okay. So some video engineer or whatever, somebody at Dolby, whoever did it, I don't care. They looked at it and they said, Oh my God, for the first time ever, they're going to see exactly what I saw on my monitor when I mastered this because there is no relative. It's right. literally exactly what was on this screen. Okay. But the problem is, is that I look at you on this little monitor off to the side here where I can see you in your nice black, you know, velvet little room. Well, that's a standard mastering room. A standard mastering room is like very controlled light, no light, dark surfaces. And they have, you know, like, you know, whatever their mastering monitor or whatever is. And they're working in like this. I'm working in my cave. Yeah you know, and stuff. And they look at this stuff and it looks amazing. But again, like 
what's the application? So real world application. Ninety nine point nine percent of people are in the room I'm in right now. Lights are on, white walls, windows with light, and everything else. And now they're looking at content that's being shown absolutely. And again, HDR was designed so that you would have all this high range stuff, thousand nits, four thousand nits, theoretically up to ten thousand nits. But the average picture level would stay the same as SDR content, which means that pretty much everything that you were seeing before is still in that first hundred nits yep. uh, of range. And then above that, you get specular highlights, things like that. Now, there is content that will exceed the hundred nits, but your average stays in the same range that you were watching before. So what happens? Now that first hundred nits on your brand new, you know, OLED from LG or Sony that you're just so excited about is being represented perfectly in that first hundred nits. But before you had HDR and you had same TV or your old, you know, plasma or whatever else, we had TVs that did two, three, four, five hundred nits. And that's how we watched SDR on it. So the content that was mastered to 100 nits was being shown at 300 nits, 400 nits. Because again, you you wanted to be able to see what was going right. on and you had all this interfering light, you have all these white walls, all these things like that. And the gamma was relative. So you adapted based on the environment. You know, you could do a 2.2 gamma because you have lights on versus a 2.4 when you're watching at night or whatever. But in this, you have nothing. You have absolute. So now you're sitting there watching the content that used to be 200, 300, 400 nits actually at the nit level it was mastered at. And people are going like, I can't see a goddamn thing. I'm watching right. The Mandalorian right now and it just looks like blobs with like little things every once in a while. This is ridiculous. I thought this was supposed to be amazing, you know, um, because all that content is now being shown at the mastering level, which was done in a cave yeah. as opposed to that. So we made this same mistake already. We made this mistake when digital music came around. So when CD format came out originally, it was much higher dynamic range than eight track cassette and vinyl, right? You had the, the capability to have much more dynamic range, right? So what music has the most dynamic range? Classical. You know, it has the, yeah. the biggest difference, dynamic range being the difference between the lowest part and the highest part. So pop music being the opposite end of the spectrum, where there's almost no dynamic range. It's very loud. Right. So again, there's a difference between dynamic range and loudness, right? Yes. So We've talked pop about music <laughs> is very loud, and there's not much difference between any part of it. So right. pop music is absolutely perfect for listening to in a car where you have a lot of background noise at a party with a lot of background noise because it's not fighting anything because it's always just, bah! you know, like right. that, you know, yeah, you hear yeah. other things, but like, there's no difference between, you know, the highest and the lowest, very small. If you try to listen to classical music at high dynamic range in a car or in any kind of environment with noise, right. you know, it'll be like the, the low strings. And you're like, mm, you turn it way up and you're like, oh, I yes. can hear that. And then all of a sudden, and you're like, oh my God, you know, and then you're, you're doing this with the, the volume list, this, 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 this. So we did that, you know, they did that and they decided like, no. So what do we have? The loudness wars, the compression, 
you know, like it just became higher and higher pop, you know, people complain about all the time. Then we had DVD audio and SACD came back into the fold and they're like, Hey, look at, you know, this has even more dynamic range than CD had. Yeah, but it didn't work before either, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal format. If you're like the guy in a chair in a dedicated quiet right. room that listens to is like, Oh, you know, but as soon as you like take that and you throw it in your car and you're driving down the road, you're like, this sucks. It just sucks. Right. You know, and stuff like that. So what did we do? We didn't learn anything from an industry that parallels the sound and video. They're parallel. You know what I mean? Like they have the same things. So now I'm in a family room with a high noise floor. The noise floor being the lights, the lights coming from my window, the walls and everything. And I took something that has a lot of dynamic range and I'm in the quiet part, which is the darker part. And I can't hear anything. Yeah. I can't see anything. You can't see the details. Because yeah. so so what are we already doing with this format? So now there's like Dolby Vision Home or something <laughs> like that, or, or or all these other ones where that what are they doing? They're taking their awesome high dynamic range and they're compressing it. So they're saying, Oh, we're gonna make the average brighter now. The only way to make something that was one way before brighter is to compress it, right? Right. So we're going to take all this and we're going to make it so that there's less difference between any one thing so that everything is now bright so that you can use it. Right. And then again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it completely undoes what the point of the format was. So right. I look at it as like, hey, we have this format now. If you're in a truly dedicated environment, like a, a guy sitting in a really nice audio room with no other noise because he spent... on green glue and isolation and all this stuff and just loves to be in this like, you know, you know, this chamber. So now we have this format for video. That's the same kind of thing. It it works phenomenally in a mastering room and some people's, you know, dedicated rooms, but it sucks for consumer use, which ultimately at the end of the day is what the studios want because they want everybody buy it. Not the guy. And there's only 10 guys in a room for every million people that are not in that room. Right. Right. And they want to sell stuff. They need, you know, words to sell it with, right? So they're going to start compressing it. So we're going to do the same thing. We start out with this great format, CD, HDR, whatever. Oh, it doesn't work. The loudness wars. So I'm going to start calling them the brightness wars. Yep. And eventually we're just going to keep getting them worse and worse and worse. And then pretty soon we're going to have super bit HDR (sighs) or, you know, know, the SACD and DVD audio of like, look it. We, we, cause you know, cause general content is going to keep getting more compressed because again, it's made for the general audience. Right. But all of us are, you know, all these people with dedicated rooms are going to lose out. And then they're going to start selling some niche format that you really didn't need because in reality, CD already had enough dynamic range for anything you want to do. Like, yeah, SACD and, and DVD audio are technically better because they could do certain things, but CD in general, when done right, you yeah. know, when it really took advantage of it was more than you really needed. It really was, you know, like, yeah, the mastering tools were probably kind of crappy and stuff. But we, you know, I mean, we even see that in video, you know, like obviously stuff that was shot on crappy, you know, old, you know, crappy 35 millimeter or eight millimeter looks different than stuff that shot on 1570 IMAX film or an 8K digital camera. You know, so obviously the better and better you have on the capture side, the better and better it's going to be on the output side. But I, I could just see it. It's going to keep getting that. And then they're going to try to sell us on some other format when re- in reality, we could have had it the whole time. 
Yeah. But it was poorly thought out for the general consumption, which is what the industry wants to sell to. And until they start doing that, all they do is they shoot themselves in the foot. It sounds great. It looks great on marketing numbers and stuff like, oh, look at it can do, look at it can do. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but you want this to be in mom and pop family rooms all over the world and mom and pop family rooms over the world. This is the worst thing you could have done. It it, it really yeah. is. Yeah, it's it, it's I, I go over this all the time about like streaming and why, you know, the quality difference between streaming and physical and why why can't they do this? Nobody's asking for better on stream mm -hmm. the most people don't notice the difference don't have yeah. systems to see the difference right yeah so and it, why it would they spend money on that? yeah exactly why, why would they spend yeah. money on um i had um uh, people telling me about like even like kaleidoscape oh why would you waste your money on that apple's going to do that someday and they're going to come out with a system i'm like why not, would they why would they? nobody's yeah. asking for a more expensive apple tv right? They're well, asking for it's not only ones. that. Yeah. <laughs> so it comes down to a lot of things like again. It, so if Apple wanted to compete against Kaleidoscape, they could bury them so if they wanted to. They could. Yeah. Without, without, they? without question. But then they'd be like, okay, so now if we're going to stream with this much, you know, it's going to take this much more bandwidth. It's going to have the file sizes that we're going to be carrying or bigger, all these things. And they're like, we can do all that. They, they, they yeah. might be like, we could do all that. And then they go, okay, they're sitting at a table and they're like, yep, we could do all that. Like, and then he goes, okay, Johnny over there, Johnny, what's that going to cost us? Johnny's like, it's going to cost us this much because of the bandwidth, the storage, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay. And then they're going to go over, hey, Susie over there, Susie, what do you think that's going to do to our, you know, uh, subscriber numbers and, you know, blah, 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 blah. She's like, nothing, nothing. We might see <laughs> a 1% bump. You know, we're going to have to probably do another tier, you know, so like instead of the $14.99, they're going to need to spend $19.99 for us to cover our assets. And that's hoping that we get a right. 25 to 50% penetration rate where people want to use it, you know, that and stuff. And so they're going to look at that. And they're going to go like next, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, it, and that, nobody... that's everything, you know, like even some people now, they, they talk to me about like projectors. They're like, hey, Chris, what do you think Sony's going to do with their next line? Hey, Chris, what do you think JVC is going to do with their next line? And they're like, do you think they're going to do this? And I'm like, hey, look, at, at the end of the day, these are businesses that cost a lot of money to R&D. It costs mm -hmm. a lot of money to find the parts for that. So they have to look at this feature that like, yeah, me and you, I would love to see this. I'd love to see that. But like, is it going to move the needle? They have to look right. at like, if we put that into the next product, is it going to do something where we're going to see the people that already have our projectors want to get the next one? where they're going to be like, oh my God, I have to have that. So I'm going to go ahead and buy this one, even though I already have one or bringing new people into like, oh my God, projectors will do that. I need to go buy a projector. Right. And like, we're getting to the point now where like, there's not a lot of stuff like that anymore. You know, like, no. again, we're not in the nineties anymore where it's like, well, you know, the source sucks, the players suck and the displays suck. So you could buy all this stuff to try to make them suck less. Where now we're like, the content's fantastic. The source, the 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 sources that that give you that content don't have to do anything but pretty much pass it along. Yep. And our displays are better than they've ever been. So, like the problems that we have now, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're we're nitpicking, except yeah. with HDR, and that's just because, like what I said, it really wasn't a well thought out format for what it is. Right. Um, 
I think if they would have just been Dolby Vision, and I'm not saying Dolby Vision's perfect because they have plenty of their own problems, but they have a lot less of the core problems that people have with HDR because, you know, they it was an intelligent system that was supposed to be like, I know what the display can do. I know what the content is. I'm going to try to make the two work in synergy as well as possible. And what HDR 10 is, is, Hey, we're just going to give you the most bare bones HDR possible. It's going to have all the video, but your display is not going to have any idea what to do with it. And you guys just kind of try to figure out how to make it work. And the reason Dolby, you know, again, I, I don't work for Dolby. I can't speak for them, but you know, just kind of some common sense to me. The reason that, you know, Dolby gave us HDR 10, because again, at the end of the day, they're the ones that said, hey, you guys can have this for free, was I think what they wanted to show was that HDR can look amazing and that they give it to the, you know, the display manufacturers or whatever to look at. But then they would, you know, it doesn't have any of that that special magic that says like, hey, you know, your display and this are going to do this together. I know everything that, you know, to, to make this look great. It doesn't have that so that they would realize really quickly that like, hey, this looks great when it's like exactly what it's supposed to be. But, you know, it's, it's not always that. And we don't know what the hell to do with it otherwise. And Dolby was like, well, we do. So if you really think this looks great, let's work together so we can make this happen in the middle. But like everything else, they were like, ah, screw it. You know, we'll get to that later. Let's just let's just work with this. And, and you know, the consumer is going to have to just figure it out. And here we are. Over right. and over and over, chasing our tails so that next year they're like, we made our toe mapping a little bit better. You can buy it now, yeah. you know, for $5,000 more. And next year we'll have one that's even better than that, you know, because yeah. we've gotten into that, that kind of stuff. So do you think listening to this um, and coupling it with what Jim has taught me, um, is it video like Lumagen's Mad VRs, the video processing is that what that is doing? It's like, and that's what I've tried to explain to people. Like, what's the advantage of it for the tone mapping purposes? Is it, uh, I, in my analogy, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, my analogy was like, it's like Dolby Vision for everything. It just takes it and, and modifies it for your display so that you're getting the best possible version of everything you know it takes every piece of content and delivers it like it was a dolby vision hookup right like on both in a way so so one thing to put out and 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 everything i'm going to start talking about from here on out because you kind of brought up the lumage and mad vr thing it's mm -hmm. really the same across both like you that's know, what i mean video they, yeah. yeah they're both video processors so yep. a video processor is essentially a toolbox so um if, you know, like some people are like, oh, I'm thinking about a Lumagen because, you know, or, or whatever. I'm thinking about a video processor because of HDR tone mapping. And then, you know, they're like, you know, but do I really need that? Because my display, you know, does some kind of tone mapping. And I always say that, like, okay, when you buy a video processor, yes, HDR tone mapping is definitely a part of that for, you know, regardless. But you have to remember, like, Lumagen's been in this business for 20 years now. Yeah. You know, MadVR is, you know, pretty new. But they had a processor, you know, their processing has been available as like shareware for, you know, a really right. long time and, and before HDR was really a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so video processors, you know, go back to like you were talking about like the Ferrugias, the Snell and mm -hmm. Wilcox, DVDO. I mean, that the list goes on and on. Um, they are a solution for problems, deinterlacing, scaling, aspect mm -hmm. ratio control, video format conversions, frame rate conversions, you know, all kinds of things. 
you know, I, I, I get a customer that says, I have this and I can't get it to do that. Maybe putting a video processor in between in that chain will fix that issue. Mm. So I always looked at it as like it's a solution for different problems. If tone mapping is the only problem you have, then that video processor might only be looked at for that. But I guarantee anybody that's looking at buying a video processor, there are more things that that box is going to give you that will benefit your video than yep. just HDR. But right now, it's the hot, the hot button yeah. kind of thing like that. So yes, that is what they do. So what they're doing is um, they're just doing a more advanced form of tone mapping than most displays are capable of. Now, eventually, displays will probably get better and better, and you know they might play a little bit more of catch up and stuff like that. But again, we get to that point where like, if I'm display manufacturer X and I have HDR capability and last year I had 10,000 displays sold. And in that last year, I had 50 people out of those 10,000 that said, I don't like the way my HDR looks on that. You know, can it, can I, is there a way I can make that better? Mm. So then the next year they go, all right, guys, we're going to come out with unit two, version two, iPhone two, you know, ITV two. What do we need, uh, you know, to, you know, add to this year's model to, you know, get the the masses to want to come to us and, you know, and fall under our umbrella. How are we doing on the HDR front, Susie? We had 50 <laughs> people last year out of 10,000 that complained about it. And all of them didn't really seem to care much after we told them that's the way it looks. I don't it, think we're going to lose any business with our tone mapping. All right. Tone mapping's off the thing. We're good. It, you know what I mean? So yeah. like it, it has to be it. I like a manufacturer has to feel some pain. Right. So, you know, like, I, and, and, you know, again, I deal with a lot of projectors. I see projectors that have literally had the same pain points since they came out. So DLP, pain point for DLP, contrast. End of the day, it's contrast. Their contrast sucks. You know, it is. Like, yeah. I don't care. Unless you're selling them and trying to spin it, their contrast sucks. You know, is it is it usable enough for most people? Sure. Because most people don't, you know, maybe don't know what they don't know or don't right. care or whatever, you know. So I, I don't care. At the end of the day, I don't care what people are happy with. That is the limitation of that technology. And that technology has been around for 20 plus years now. And guess what? It hasn't really gotten any better. So what is their enticement to really do a lot to it? And you'll hear like all the time, like, I think next year, man, DLP is going to have a breakthrough. And I'm like, dude, it's been 20 years. Like yeah. that ship has sailed. Like it could Sure, it could, you know, but yeah, it's it, it has you know? its strengths. Uh, yeah, early and, and again, I, and again, like yeah. there's a lot of great things about DLP. I'm not trying to spare. I'm just saying, like, no. like you know, there are brands, there are technologies that have their 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 little pain points that you like. Yeah, you buy that, you know that you know what I mean. Like they're known for it, you right. know. Um, and eventually, you're just going to hit a point where like. Okay, you know, it's it's one thing if it was just last year's model, maybe they'll get to it with this year's model. It's another thing where it's like, look at, you know, if they were going to do something with it, they would have done it by now. Yeah. And obviously, they're not feeling enough pain from the consumers or their sales numbers or anything else that's going to do that, um, you know. Uh, so oh. it is what it is. Like the yeah. people that are buying those products, that obviously doesn't bother them that much. Right. Um, 
And I think with display, like with video in general, you know, it takes, I think for the masses, it takes something pretty obvious to really be a pain point. Like, um, you know, with streaming, it has to be like, you know, like, uh, the little circle. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm 15 minutes in, like yes. about to kill him and then boop. Yeah, you circle, download you know what I mean? speed. Yeah. yeah, your download speed or something. Or like the image just has so much breakup in it because you don't have enough bandwidth. Yeah, or it's like still back really up. severe yeah. banding, you know, it's things still, like that. And yeah. we're, we're getting to the point now where like that's so rare. It happens, yeah. especially with like kind of like weird brand. And when uh, it does, you're like, what the hell? You're like, what? This what hasn't happened yeah. in like a year. I'm like, yeah, I didn't and, even know it still you, did this. So like when streaming really kind of came out, like net, you know, like the, the big yeah. ones, the Netflix and everything. <clears throat> I remember in the early days, it'd be like, you'd start seeing that like a dark stuff really a lot, you know, yeah. like darker stuff. Cause that's harder to compress. And you'd be like, God damn Netflix or God damn HBO or something. But nowadays it's like, if that happens, yeah. Almost, I, I bet you money. Most people aren't going like, Oh, this is a Netflix issue. They're going like, God damn it. Comcast. Cause there is a right. bandwidth issue. It's your ISP. It's not the provider yes. as much anymore because their video is so good now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, we've just gotten to that point where again, like, and again, like it has to be something really noticeable and takes you out of it. So bandwidth issues, banding issues, things like that. But on TVs, again, TVs, projectors, everything is so good now. Yeah. That's like, and it, and if, you know, like 90% of people that are buying projectors at the end of the day, like, yes, a JVC is better than like, you know, an Epson or a cheap DLP or whatever in some ways, you know what I mean? They all have their pros yeah. and cons. But the thing is, is that I always tell people, like, you have to be realistic about this. Most people that buy a projector, the only thing that really matters is like, oh, my God, look at how big that screen is in my room. Like, yeah. they're so enamored with the size yes. that they're willing to give up quality for the size. And a, a perfect example of that is these ultra short throw projectors. Like, I haven't seen one yet that I was just like, wow, this is really not like I'm always just like, really? Right. But like, you know, compared to just getting a really good flat panel. But again... If you want a flat panel, like, yeah, but a flat panel, I could only buy a 77 inch. But if I buy this ultra short throw projector, I could have 120 inches. And they're just like, yeah, it's yeah. it's not as good for this, 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 and this. But like, but look at how big it is, you know? Right. Um, and that's, so. that's what I tell people, too, when they start out, like it, with a display, they're like, oh, I'm thinking of starting, like getting into home theater and, you know, what what TV should I get? And I'm like, biggest one you can afford. Yeah. I'm like, don't at the end worry of the day, features. the rest of the stuff, like eventually it'll start to bug you because again, we get used to the right. honeymoon period will eventually end and then you'll start getting into the yep. nitpicky. Yeah. But my God, like, you know, like size for that, you know, it, 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 as long as you have enough brightness and stuff, people will just, that's what they, they'll, yeah. they'll gravitate to it. Brightness and size. Those are the two things that right. people in images will always gravitate to. And yeah. they're willing to compromise a lot to have either one of those. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah. and then if you're into the hobby and you start what, like my first projector, it's like, yeah, you're losing, you're compromising a ton, but then yeah. you learn and you upgrade yeah. from there. And then you end up at, like, I, I would say most of my listenership, you don't need a video processor because you yeah. don't know what you're, you don't even know what you're going to gain out of it yet. But when you do learn that, that's exactly like you said, like that. I love that term, like pain points. It's it. The pain points are, aren't going to hit the manufacturer, right? Yeah. Most people buying this stuff 
never get there. We get there as an individual. And that's why you outsource it to an outboard video processor that is way more powerful than anything they can stuff in the back of a projector or in the back of your OLED or something. Yeah, And and any video processing manufacturers concentrating on the quibbles, the Mm. nitpicks and stuff like that. That's, that's where they come in. They're like, Hey, we can make, it's like, Oh, oh, perfect. Uh, Another (laughs) analogy. You could go buy a 911 Porsche right now. Amazing car, right? Like great yeah. car, you know, performance out the y- y- the Yazoo and everything else. And for anybody that goes and buys them, that is probably more car than they will ever need ever. But there will be a certain percentage of Porsche drivers that are going to the first thing they're going to do is take it to a place that's going to chip it, mod it, new exhaust, new something, new this, yeah. new tires, all this because they're like, I can take this and make it into this. Yeah. And then there's other ones that'll be like, no, the performance is fine, but I'm going to take it over to this place and they're going to put in a custom interior. I'm going to have, you know, like this super soft, you know, like fluffy seats and there's yeah. going to be this cool colors. You remember that pimp my ride or whatever it yeah, was yeah, on yeah. MTV, stuff like that. So again, there's always these people that want to take something and make it into something else. So I look at video processors, like, look at most projectors out there are probably great. Like I always tell people, like it's harder to find a bad one than it is to find a good one. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, there's going to be people that want to eke out more performance. And there's some people that are like, I don't know why people do this. Like, this is the best video I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah, but you haven't seen all the video that I've seen right. and I know it can be better, but yeah. if you're satisfied with where you're at, man, Hey, awesome. Absolutely. I wish I was you. I wish I could just sit back and be like, I'm living in Shangri-La and I go to clients where I'm in rooms and I'm like, wow. And they're just like, isn't this the best thing that you've ever seen? And I'm like, no, but like you (laughs) really love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you that you love it. You know what I mean? But you know, I, I I want something else because I've experienced things that are better, you know? Yeah, exactly. And And that's just it. It's like, I get the, I love the detractors to like the lumogens and stuff and be like i don't see them with the lumogens as much as the kaleidoscape one the kaleidoscape oh. one is the perfect one if you go on threads and stuff yes. like what idiot would buy that i can just get that from buying a a, a right. pd or my plex and stuff and i'm like right you can't though and there's the funny thing is is that there's people out there that own it that even have like you know like tech shows on youtube that are like dude i did plex i did zapedes i did all this they are not the same thing yeah. Like, yes, are they the same thing with a lot of stuff? Yes, but like, so is everything else. I mean, streaming for the most part. I'll bet you if I did like A-B comparisons where you don't know which one is which, I could fool so many people that say that they're like, there's no way that I you can trick me with streaming, you know, and stuff like that. And I'm like, I bet you I could. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a service that has its pros and it has yeah. its cons. And, you know, there are some people that... And, and the other thing is, is like, they always like boil it down to something simple. Like, I can't believe that anybody would spend that kind of money. And I, it's stupid, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but for some people, the cost of a Kaleidoscape is like you going and buying like a, a, a drink at McDonald's. Oh yeah. So it's like, y- yeah. you know, get, you know, like there's different classes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like for me to go out and buy a nine 11 would be really expensive. Could I buy it? Absolutely. But like, you know, I'd be like, this is a pretty good amount of money for me yeah, to go buy. Yeah, exactly. Where there's another guy that's just like, like eh, that's his you know, daily drive. Nine eleven, and it, it it could literally be his daily, and he's not even like blinking at it. You know yeah. what I mean? It'd be like me going and buying a a used Yugo. Yeah. You know, compared to my income, so you know, 
So yes, there are some people that just buy stuff because they're expensive and stuff. And I'm not saying that's what Kaleidoscape is. I'm just saying that there are right. different people have different means. So, you know, like the cost thing, I whenever anybody brings that up and like, yeah, but everybody's cost stuff is different. But the what it offers is different than what Zipedi offers or Plex offers. You cannot oh, yeah. do the same things with Plex that you can do with Kaleidoscape. You can do a lot of things that Kaleidoscape does, but they are different. Yeah. And whether or not those things that Kaleidoscape can do that your Plex can't do matter to you is totally your choice. Right. But but like, you know, giving somebody crap or, you know, or, or you know, throwing shade at somebody because they're like, I'm thinking about or I own a Kaleidoscape. You're an idiot. You could have bought Plex. I'm like, come on. Like, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, you know, what's my time worth to, to burn all this stuff? Right. One, you can't even burn everything because like some of the stuff that Kaleidoscape has isn't even available on disk. Right. So things like that. There's all kinds of things. So everybody makes different choices for their scenario and what they want to do and what they want to spend their time on. Yeah. So, and the other thing yeah. is like going uh, Kaleidoscape. If you wanted to say like there's an incremental improvement in certain films, right? There's an incremental improvement or Lumigen. It, it, all it does is it, it's just, it's so incremental. It's a, not that big of a difference. Why bother? That's why I'm in the hobby. I yeah. love those incremental improvements, you know, and they, yeah. I lean into it. I'm like, yeah, I know. I didn't say it's going to blow your socks off. They can't off. add up. They can't add up. Well, and that's, you don't get to the ultimate unless you take the, you can't get to the top of Everest by like, it's a bunch of little steps to get you there. And I, yeah. I, I started this in 88. And it's like, I couldn't even have dreamed of the tech that we have today back then. Yeah. And it's like, but it's, and now we're at this point that it's, it's just, it has to be incremental because we're exactly. getting past the point of our perception. The yeah. improvements now we can't even see. And it's yeah. like, I mean, 4K, you really can't see the difference at a certain viewing distance right. from right. 1080p to 4K. Yeah. Everything from here on. It is interesting, like, again, you know, you and I sound like we kind of got into stuff at the same time. And, you know, the differences mm -hmm. between, you know, like, you know, DVD was amazing when it came out. If I put in a DVD now, I'm like, how, how did I like this? At some right. point, I liked this. I thought this looked good, you know. Uh, and, you know, it, it was funny is like, as we went from formats, if, you know, we went from, you know, VHS to Laserdisc. But most people never did Laserdisc because it was so expensive. Right. So most people went VHS to DVD, and that was a dramatic leap. And the funny right. thing is, is that DVD still sells in the, you know, like outsells most other uh, formats because DVD is still more than good enough for almost, you know, the majority of consumers. Right. So then there was HD with Blu-ray and stuff like that. And it's like, it was a, it was a decent little tick up, but it's, you know, it wasn't as big to me as VHS was to DVD, but it was a nice tick up. And I still feel that like probably for more than 95% Blu-ray and HD is honestly good enough when you oh, consider yeah. the, the average, you know, consumer size of a TV and their yep. seating distance, it's probably more than enough. Yeah. We're 4k. We're really starting to get into like the, you know, the, the, the nitpicking and stuff like that. Is it better? Absolutely. But like, again, you know, so it's like the, the source you know, again, is better, but do you have the ability to the ability to the see source, it? So like I do because I have a really big cinema screen, but right. most people don't have that. Yeah. And it's just like this. So like projectors aren't as good as flat panels. Like an OLED is definitely right. better than a projector, right? 
but I hear all the time that like, oh, you know, there's a 98 inch OLED coming out and, and they're talking about a hundred inch. How many projector guys are going to go away from, you know, their projector? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, yeah, I guess for like the few people with projectors that are projecting on a hundred inch screen, exactly. by all means, go for it. But um, like a hundred inches is still a post. Like, again, once you start getting up into size, you know, those bigger size screens, Again, yeah. you're not like nobody I know with a 130 inch screen right. is going to be like, I could get a 98 inch OLED and they're going to go from 130 yeah. to 90. It ain't happening. I'm at 110 and, and I wouldn't go to 100. Right. I wouldn't take a right. 10 step, a 10 well, inch. Backwards. It's real simple. How many people are out there that have a 77 inch OLED right. would be like next year be like, hey, you need to go down to a 65. Oh my God. Like, like, right. If LG said, you know what, we're just going to start making 65s and, and we're going to discontinue anything bigger than that. And all those people that had 77s or 85s, and we're not even talking about as big of a drop. And right. they'd be like, what? You know, yeah. like, no, you know what I mean? Because again, once you've hit that, you're not going to do like, I, I think OLEDs look amazing, but they're postage stamps compared to my screen. My screen's 11 feet wide. What do you, you know think what I mean? Of- like, I have like a screen yeah. that's like four of those, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, what do you think so, of this sorry. idea? I've I've had this opinion on <laughs> like when I had when I first got my Sony 4K that was my first that's my first 4K projector and I didn't want an OLED in my house. I knew an OLED the contrast everything would be better than even in my dedicated room. Then I added in my Lumigen and I was like, "Oh wow. My yeah. my HDR went up here." And now, now I'm like, now I, I want an OLED in my house and see the difference. And in my opinion, now don't get me wrong, OLED, still better contrast ratio, of course. Yeah. But because you're limited at 77 inch, those details that you're seeing in a 77 inch OLED with great contrast, they're there on my 110 inch screen because those details aren't down to a 77 inch screen. They're, they're, those details are bigger. Yeah. So I'm still getting all of that detail. It maybe not as deep of a black, but I'm seeing everything from black all the way to the brightest in on a giant screen. So I'm actually, in my opinion, you're actually getting more detail because the finer details are now bigger. Does, does yeah, that to make a sense? Point, it's more immersion because your field yeah. of view is better and stuff like that. Um, I have an old, I have a 77 inch OLED in my family room. I have a nice family room set up and then I have, you know, a theater room upstairs. And what I noticed, you know, again, the OLED, you know, by all measurable standards is a, is a better display than, mm-hmm. you know, I have a JVC projector upstairs with a Lumigen. Um, but the, the problem I, so again, everybody is different on what they like. And again, OLEDs look amazing. So I'm not trying to disparage anything here. No. But what I find when I watch stuff on my OLED is it looks great and everything like that. But again, field of view is a little on the smaller side because I sit, you know, a certain amount in my family room away. But I also find something that, you know, maybe it's just me. So I watch, you know, a lot of a lot of content's HDR. Like most of what I'm watching is newer stuff. So it's almost always 4K HDR or whatever. And I find that when I watch stuff on my OLED that's 4K HDR, um, and again, like this is something that I'm sure a lot of people like, but I I tend to find where it looks slightly gimmicky mm. um, in it's the sense harsh. that like, yeah, um, you know, they, they're doing a lot of stuff. And again, it might just be because we're kind of new to the format, but you're getting a lot of stuff where it's like, 
it's like they're going out of their way to make it look overly contrasty. So they're like, the average picture level is a lot darker, like things just look dark all the time. But like all the highlights, so like, it'll be like, let's take like a Game of Thrones kind of situation. You know, they're they go into like this castle and they go into a room and the room is lit up by like a, an assortment of candles in the room, right? So the room is pretty dark. But the funny thing is, is like this applies to almost everything unless it's like, you know, like a family show, like Modern Family, where it's all just bright all the time. But like anything that's like dramatic and stuff that's in HDR, it's like a, a low lit room with candles or like background lights, like dimmer lighting. But like those lights and candles look like they're like 10,000, you know, uh, lumen LEDs where I'm like, I've been yeah. in a lot of room with candles and no candle looks like that. Like that thing is like this, like, you know, but it makes it look really contrasty because it's like, oh my God, look at these like really bright candles and it looks right. so moody and stuff. But, it, but it's like the 3D thing. So like, I like 3D when it was like really good at adding depth and giving you that sense of depth and dimensionality. Yeah. I didn't like the 3D where they're like, look at I'm 3D. I'm going to hit your nose. I'm, yeah, gonna, yeah, I'm yeah. coming out of the screen at you. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, like where it's like uh, the gimmick, right. like the gimmick, the gimmick, the gimmick. Like yeah. to me, a good 3D movie, like if you make a movie and you make it for 3D should be just as good of a movie when it's not 3D. Right. So if you have a lot of stuff that's like the gimmicky stuff where you'll like see them do something that you're like, yeah, like okay, Jaws 3D and it's they kind hit of the funny. poker. <laughs> it's kind of cool where you're like, ah, you know, like, ah, oh, yeah. uh, you know, but, but like, that's like, uh, you know, like I, I never liked that. I liked it when they tried to do a lot of depth, yeah. you know, where you're like, you're clearly seeing like this huge separation and stuff. HDR. I love it when it's like, you know, like I love the fact that it's an increase in contrast. I love the fact that it's an increase in color gamut and things. But I, I feel like we're at that stage right now where they're doing a lot of stuff that like, oh, we're HDR. You see that? You see that candle back there, bro? Yeah. Like, yeah, that candle's bright, huh? Yeah. You know, and it just starts to look kind of like, you know, garish and stuff like that, where it's like, okay, I get it. You know, yeah. it's like everything now is so contrasty. And well, I love contrast. This is coming from somebody that like, you know, I love contrast. But where when I watch it on my projector, you know, it to me the images look a little more balanced. Like there's highlights and there's things like that, but like it looks like a little. It's like a sanity check almost, where I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, like there's scenes where there's like bright lights and stuff. Do I really like? Sure, it might be better if they were a little brighter in some things, or my blacks were a little bit better at some other things. Like there's room for improvement, but I feel in general the image starts to look less gimmicky with right. that. Plus, I have the size of the thing, so. I can't think of anything that I go downstairs and I watch on my OLED at night, like when it's like perfect viewing conditions. Right. And then I go upstairs the next day and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch that again on the projector where I'm just like, oh, man, I, 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 I don't think I can do this. Like, there's just I'm just taking way too much of a hit in picture quality. Yeah. You know, like I've never had anybody come over that watched a projector that was just like, oh, this is cool. Can we go look at your OLED? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, yeah. Or nobody, like or, that. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is get, getting back to that bright candle and you have obviously with all the displays you've seen and everything, you have an eye for this stuff. Have you ever yeah. done, I, I do this part. Have you ever done this out? Not even a display. You're out in the world. Yeah. You don't see deep blacks anywhere. No. Even anywhere. Yeah, at night. 
Yeah. Especially, yeah, you look at the sky at night, and that's one of my favorite things about HDR is we're actually getting more realistic night skies that are yeah, actually you're getting that 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 mid black and, yeah. and it's like got a got a blue to it because you like, have way more uh range in your it, blacks now exactly. you have way more latitude of like the differences in black so you yep. you know you're not just like black black yeah. black you know it's yeah 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 and it's it, you go out into the real world and it's like that if you're in a if you're in a, a room with a candle lit there's not jet black in the room anywhere it's, anywhere it's like everything's yeah. got that warm hue to it right and it's like everything's yeah. it's it's basically the the deepest you go is like a dark dark cherry <laughs> yeah yeah right it's funny like even if you're in your bedroom at night with no lights on you know obviously your eye adapts and you're like wow there's really not as black in here as i thought it would be right or even just go into a room with no light at all with velvet lines and then close your eyes and you're like well, that black isn't as black as I think it should. Like if right now I'm I'm in this room, if I close my eyes, obviously there's no light now. There's going to be sun that's getting through that skin. Right. But I'm not looking at the back of my eyelids going like, man, that's some inky blacks. Yeah, you know, exactly. you know what I mean? like, there's no such thing as inky black in the world. I mean, in, you go, in the world, yeah. in, in the world, unless you go yeah. into a completely unlit room and you can't yeah. see your finger in front of your eyes and your eyes are open and they're working really hard to pull in any light that they can find yeah. but once you put a light on in there everything gets toned everything yeah. right it, yeah and, and now our OLEDs are giving us like really black. bright light with black <laughs> perfect black around it and but the thing is is like again like tv movies and everything it is a, you know it, it is not reality they right. stylize everything like I, you know, I, like if I drove down my road right now with like the best camera out there and I just showed you the raw footage of it, it looks kind of boring. You know, we're right. used to that. We see that, you know, anything that you see that's like a photo or something, they've they've always done stuff to like yes. make the colors a little bolder, the contrast a little more, the dimensionality. Artistic and we gravitate toward that. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 like it's. It's the enhanced, it's the super bit version of real life, you know, or whatever right. you want to call it. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, so um, I, I can appreciate that. But again, like there is a balance of like, okay, yeah, that's a bit much to, okay, this is not enough. This is clearly like some guy that just shot natural with his iPhone, you know, I, but there's that middle ground and, you know, personally me, I like now again, there's, if the movie calls for it, like if I'm watching Blade Runner 2049, you know, there might be some stuff in there like or Tron where it's like hyper realistic and stuff like that. Like, that's fine. But when I'm watching something that's just like they're they're kind of going for a natural photography vibe in a castle, you know, like sometimes like where everything is starting to look like hyper contrasted and stuff like that. And and again, I don't know if that's just because now we have these displays that can do it and they're like, chuck. Look at how cool that looks in the OLED. But again, like if everything looks like that, that it just becomes that thing of like, ah, eh, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. It gets harder to to separate yourself from all the yeah. all the other content. And like one of my favorite movies last year was The Batman. Yeah. Because a lot like when it first came out, you didn't it didn't have it doesn't have those deep inky blacks. But yeah, I and you see people complain about that. Yeah. Like Oh, and, he shot that with a raised black level. I'm like, no, he shot it with natural light and natural light doesn't go that black with anything in the screen. Right. So it, it, it's not going to look as black as something else that you watch, but it's, you know, 
to that's me, the way he wanted it to look. Yeah, to me, I'm like, that's what HDR is for. Yeah. That is actually pulling out all that detail yeah. so that you can shoot it like that. And it's yeah. like, that's one of my favorite examples of HDR, right? Be to, because it's really like his suit when he's walking into that room at the, in one of the opening scenes, right? He's walking into the crime scene and you see Batman's, you see his suit. And that when I got that at home, I was like, holy, his, his suit's gray. I'm like, yeah. that's awesome. You know, it's like, and then you see the different tones to it and stuff. And, but it's like, that to me is what hdr is all about and then i mean yeah thor love and thunder crazy bright yeah, here and, yeah. th and that's fun but i mean yeah. I, I love the nuances too yeah the only other trend that i don't like with hdr and i've seen this a lot and i know people complain about it is we are also though seeing a lot of raised blacks where they're they're like purposely not making black black so again i i realize that not everything out there is inky but like you'll go to a blackout or something where like it clearly was meant to be black and it's not. Right. So a great example of that is like Interstellar, uh, Christopher Nolan's movie. If you look at the Blu-ray of it and you look at the dark scenes in space, black is actually black. Like it's mm -hmm. video level 16 black where on the 4K one, it's clearly higher than that. So everything is raised. Um, and I've seen that quite a bit uh, with content nowadays where it actually has a raised black. Yes. And that's a trend that I don't like. Really? Uh, you know, again, I don't need you to be crushed black and like right. everything is black. But I want where it, if something is supposed to be black, it is actually black. Um, you know what I mean? Like video signal. When when it, when you go to black, it should be black, not a, a raised gray or whatever. Right. And it See, I actually, I'll, I'll give you another example of pretty much what you're talking about in um, the latest season of Mandalorian. Now, this mm -hmm. is streaming, and obviously, and there's some space scenes where that is supposed to be inky black. Like you said, yeah. I'm like, in space, there's no glow. There's yeah. nothing. It's it's star and inky black, black right next to it because it's it, it literally spaces the absence of everything yeah. right star so, wars is always kind of raised there's that they also yeah. give it like a bluish hue to it you yeah. know so it's like slightly yeah the black's always a little bluish yeah yeah but what they did in this latest season of mandalorian is he has this he has a couple of space battles and there's actually like different patterns to the hue like to the color giving it almost like atmospheric effect to give you a more like like a 3d effect like they're they're toning it so that like the further out you look the deeper it is or something and it mm -hmm. it gives that effect but in reality that would never happen and i i do kind of like that even though i know that's not reality of being in space oh yeah but, but i mean I you could say the same thing about like okay but you can also hear the fighters, hear their right. gun. Yes, I didn't like it in space. All of this would be, you know, completely silent and things yeah, like that. Boom. So, so that obviously <laughs> they have to make things to make it entertaining and stuff. But right. I'm just talking about like, and the funny thing is Batman is interesting because uh, I, I think it's Greg Frazier is the DP for that movie. I might be wrong on that, but I think I'm right. Um, he's one of the ones that does like to shoot in natural light. So he did Dune. Um, and he's made other movies where like people have like, you know, some people love his artistic choices. Some people don't I think he's actually the guy that shot zero dark 30 as well. Um, okay. where there's like Bradley Williams, the guy that shot arrival for Denny Villeneuve, um, where like everybody complained about that movie, like, Oh my God, it's so drab and the blacks are elevated. 
but his movies always are shot again, natural light. He likes that. Like, and Denny, you know, had said, Hey, I really want this movie to feel like a drab kind of rainy day feel, which it does perfectly. But he also did like solo the, the star Wars solo movie when it had that same kind of look that people, you know, again, and that's an artistic choice that DP was hired because that's the kind of shots that he does. And the guy that did, you know, the Batman, you know, uh, you know, some people didn't like the way the Batman looked. Other people thought it was like the best, like, I mean, Roger Deakins, Roger Deakins is greatly, you know, by most people's standards, considered like the greatest cinematographer right now. You know, so many people say like, he is the man, like the year the Batman came out, I watched an interview with uh, Roger Deakins because I believe he was up for um, Empire of Light. Uh, He had done that movie, which looks amazing. Um, and he said, you know, they asked him to like, what's the best movie you thought shot this year? And he's like the Batman, he's like, mm. it, the, the photography is just absolutely phenomenal in that, yeah. you know, but like, even he has had, um, you know, Roger Deakins has shot some stuff that people are like, oh, I don't like the artistic choices he made, you know, or, you know, this guy did something, you know, and stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, like they decided to make it. Yes. Sometimes you're going to like that. Sometimes you're not. I don't mind that. I don't like it when I know something's wrong technically, like where right. they, you know, like I know this movie shouldn't have a, a, a raised black or, or something like along those lines, artistic stuff. Like I could be like, yeah, I don't really like the way that, you know, that movie looked like they overstylized it or I didn't like the way it looked kind of washed out the whole time. Like yeah. great example. I, uh, the hateful eight Quentin Tarantino's mm. movie. He, you know, he went out of his way to shoot that 70 millimeter and everything. But then he used those old Coke uh, gla- uh, lenses, C-O-O-K-E glass uh, glass lenses that are like really kind of old and worn. So like I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, he's using 70 millimeter to capture so much resolution. But then the movie had like a real kind of soft kind of aged look to it, which I know Quentin loves. He yeah. loves that look, you know, but I was sitting there like, ah, oh, I was kind of hoping it would just have that, you know, like, you know, like what a like a really pristine 70 millimeter can look like and things like that. So, yeah. So, you know, but I'm not the DP, you know, and that's the way he wanted the movie to look. So, you know, I don't have to like it, but, you know, I understand why he did it that way. Have you seen Asteroid City? I have not yet. That's Wes Anderson's new one. Yeah. Yeah. That's his movie is the same kind of thing. Very stylized. He does a lot of really. I I watched. I finally watched uh, here in the last month, the French Dispatch, you know, and that's another one. Like, he's so, you know, so different like each segment of it's so much different but he's so quirky and everything and again like some people love his quirkiness some people don't i'm i'm always hit or miss with him like i i love some of his movies i think like the fantastic mr fox i really liked and some of his other ones but then some of his other ones i've watched and i'm just like yeah like not me like artistically speaking the the picture the sound what they did in uh asteroid city i'm like I, I can't wait for you to see it. It's yeah. variable aspect ratio throughout. I was going to say, how many it, aspect ratios is he using through he it? He uses um, 240, 235, whatever. And he uses the, uh, uh, not four by three, but, you know, like Snyder Cut, whatever. What's, what's that one? Yeah, four by three. One, four three, by three. three. Yeah. Okay, yeah, one, yeah. three, three. So he goes between those two. And, I mean, and you need it. It's like he, it's part of the movie. There's different yeah. sequences. Yeah. It's like, kind of like... um. Oh, what was the one, the multiverse one last year? I'm forgetting uh, that they did last year. It wasn't a Marvel. It was the. Um, it oh, won- uh, everything, everywhere. Uh, it, yeah. Best picture, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, like that one needed the variable aspect. They they made it work and I liked yeah. it like that. Um, but he also in um, 
uh, Asteroid City, it, it's the opposite of like the Batman where all the bright scenes are like blown out. The saturation is down, everything. It just looks like almost like everything's in a pastel now instead yeah. of natural color. And it's kind of fun. It's like when I first put it on and I was like, all right, I had to back out, check my settings and be like, is, yeah. did I do this? <clears throat> Ooh, but it, he was obviously going for that. You see that like with like, uh, there's been plenty of movies that have done that, like extreme colors. And you're like, is that yep. the way it's supposed to look? Oh, brother, we're out there. was a great one for that. Like, you know, like very odd tones and stuff. What did we just, we just watched. Oh, uh, the other night we watched mission impossible too. My, my, my kids hadn't seen the mission impossible movie. So we're going through each of them. Oh, wow. Um, because you know, the new one's out and they heard yeah. about it. So it was like, Hey, should we watch those? I'm like, sure. So we watched the first one, Brian De Palma. I was like, I hadn't watched it in forever. And I'm like, my God, this is like literally textbook De Palma, mm. like every shot, the haze to it, everything. Yep. It's like, it screams eighties De Palma kind of stuff. Right. But then it the next gave one the was, vibe of Mission Impossible the show too. It did, it, yeah. But it was it was it was a Brian De Palma movie. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Um, and then the next one, the John Woo one, like my wife commented quite a few times where she's like, Are you sure the calibration's right? Mm. Because there was like a lot of strong reds in like the yeah. flesh tones, but then like it would be like the next scene, everybody looks perfectly natural, and then the next scene they'd like hyper, you know, like saturate. And stuff like that. And I was like, no, they're just they're going back and forth and see that. The thing with that is I I feel like sometimes it, and, and like shifting aspect ratios work sometimes, like everything everywhere all at once was obviously they they you know, they actually wanted you to watch that in a 16 by 9 display because right. they do it slow, you know. Yep. So it's not it's not like an you know, these IMAX movies where like you were in an IMAX theater and it went from this to this, you know what I mean? Right. Like you, Yeah. It's funny, it's because I, I last night I went to the movies with my daughter and we went to the IMAX and we saw the new Mission Impossible movie and like it never shifted. If it if it shifted aspect ratio, I never saw it because again, the black bars are like way at the top and way at the bottom and, and it's just opening up that little frame a little right. bit. So it's like, who cares? But on a TV, people are like, oh, look at it, it takes up all my TV and stuff like that. So right. it's like, okay, fine. But it's 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 still just because well they have an open mat version and they gave you an open mat version or whatever but everything ev everywhere all at once they're literally doing it slowly and it's part of like what they're trying to do as opposed to I shot with this camera then I shot right. with this camera and stuff where you know Anderson uh, uh not Wes Anderson is doing kind of the same thing like he he's doing it because he wants this shot to be like kind of like captured in right. and then out and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's, it's like a different intention, um, right. than to me, the, you know, the, the gimmick of these IMAX versions and exactly. stuff where they're like, Hey, we, we shot this with a digital camera that's 16 by nine. We'll give you the open mat version. So you don't have black bars and people are all about it. And I'm like, yeah, just keep pressing. We'll be back to pan and scan before you know it. So exactly. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't like, like the dark night. I don't like that effect. Uh, I, I loved it on top gun Maverick. Um, but. I've I since then I just I set my masking and I go even Maverick uh and stuff. It, well, he shot just, it scope safe. I mean, it, every theater yeah, yeah, but yeah. IMAX was in scope. So if you just yep. mat it off, you're seeing what you saw yep. in the theater. It'd yep. be one thing if like they had framed it, you know. And there are some movies that they did some weird framing stuff for it because they you know like they shot it intentionally for that. But right. Like, but like the, the Zack Snyder one where he did it all four by three and it was like, oh, this is what I intended. And I'm like, that's funny. I read an interview with your DP when the movie came out that he says that they specifically shot it for, 
you know, like one eight or two, three, five or whatever. But now you're saying that you shot it for four by three. Yeah. I'm like, so which one of you is telling the truth? Because I think it's this guy. Cause this is when the movie came out and now you're trying to sell this other version. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that nope. framing. I don't have a problem with it, but like we're getting to this point where like, sometimes I feel like the framing is like a gimmick. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and it, I, I, I don't like gimmicks. <laughs> I don't like gimmicks. Like you're seeing a lot of these art house, like a 24 movies, like we shot four by three, you know, and stuff. And I'm like, so what, you know, right. Like, does it make the movie any better? It's just a different framing. Like it's like, it's trying to be different for different sake. Like right. if it works, like, you know, if it, if it was done like Christopher Nolan, the only reason his movies are like that is because he shoots 1570 and 1570 has an aspect ratio to it. And, you know, he wants, and I don't even think he cares about the aspect. He cares about the quality of the print. You know, the fact that okay. 1570 can deliver what it delivers and stuff. And then especially seeing it in an IMAX theater. But like, you know, you're seeing guys that are shooting like four by three because it's like, yeah, I'm four by three. I, I Damn the man, you know, yeah. like four by three, you know, like this is the way it used to be when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and it's not doing anything to help the movie. It's just, it's four by three. That's yeah. It. All right, let's uh if we can wrap up on this question. Yeah, sure. What's your view? Okay, and I've asked this of a lot of people. I have my opinion. Um what is more important to the home theater experience? The picture? Uh-oh. Or the sound? Or the sound. Oh jeez. <laughs> it's a hot buck Okay, so topic so, for wait sure. A minute. Let me make sure I understand the question. You what's obviously you have to have to, both. <laughs> Everybody have goes, but well, you need both. What's more no important kidding. to the so experience? So the interesting thing is like what the heightens ex the experience more? The, in your the picture or the sound? Yeah, I'd say the sound. Yeah. Do you have a percentage? Like, are you like Spielberg and his percentage? Do you know? Because I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. I think it's the sound. I think it's, I don't even so, think it's 5149. Okay. I, I think I'm, it's I'm like. I'm thinking about my answer now and I'm kind of backtracking in my head. So okay. if I, so, okay. So we'll take my theater. Okay. Yep. I have an 11 foot wide screen. So big screen. Right. Yep. And I have a really good audio system. Now in my theater, I would say the, as good as the picture is, the, the audio will give, more experience yep. is the way I look at it, but I also have a big screen. So it, it becomes a relative thing. So yeah. if I said you could have the best audio system, like just amazing audio, but you can only have a 55 inch TV, then I would say that the audio is not going to be enough to overcome the size of the TV. Right. So the video is going to be taking away too much to make the audio counterbalance it. Now, if you have a, a general home theater where like, let's say you have like a 120 inch screen and you have a surround sound setup, and you're like, okay, all things being kind of equaled out. If you have better audio than video, or should you have better video than audio? I would say lean more towards the, the audio as long as your video isn't too bad. Comparable. Right. Comparable. Yeah. Because yeah. like, of the size right. experience. Like, I don't want you to like have a dedicated room with like this super badass audio system and like, well, the because I put screen. all my money into that, I had this tiny little screen up on the front wall, you know, and stuff like that. Right. But I would rat like, and this gets to like early doctors or early home theater uh, people and be like, 
spend your money your budget on, like I said before, you get the largest screen you can afford when you're done with your budget. Oh, with decent video. It right. doesn't have to be nope. state-of-the-art video, just right. as long as it's decent. Yeah, because you're going to be, you can get away with a, you know, a 77-inch LCD television, you know, and then you, you, you throw in a nice audio system, like a really nice audio system, and then you start going back and forth and yeah. I, f I find that people start tweaking the audio before they start tweaking the video. Yep. You know Especially what I mean? Especially at a certain size enough. Yeah. yeah. Just like, I'm fine with that, but I want my, my audio more. Right. But I think what adds the most to the home theater experience more than anything is the content that you're watching. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I would pick good content over a good audio and video all day, like something that really, you know, moves you, grabs you or whatever else. Um, it's funny is, uh, you know, kind of on this same subject, you know, the Christopher Nolans of the world's, the Steven Spielberg's of the world's, you're seeing a lot of this. I've seen in the last like 10 years, this whole thing of like, we have to preserve cinema, you know, uh, you know, my movie was made to be watched on a huge screen and, and all these things. And like, and I agree with them, like at the end of the day, they're, you know, the experience of seeing something in a theater is different, even than a home theater. And obviously a home theater is different than seeing it in a family room. And a family room is different than seeing it on your iPad. Mm. But but what I will say is I grew up at a time and, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money. My The first TV that we had for most of my growing up years was probably like 20 inches or whatever. Yeah. And I saw the first time I saw a lot of movies was on that in my family room with the speaker that's built into the TV. You yep. know, maybe Raiders of the Lost Ark or maybe 2001 or whatever, older movies that I still feel are absolutely phenomenal movies. And when I watched them, they resonated with me and I fell in love with those things on even, you know, a crappy TV and stuff like that. Would yeah. I have loved to have gone and seen those in a theater? Sure. But like, even I think that like, okay, let's take Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan's probably my age or maybe a few years older. You know, he talks about 2001 is his greatest, you know, his, you know, the greatest movie he's ever seen. But I guarantee you, he wasn't around to see 2001 in its initial theatrical run. And most likely, the first time he ever saw it wasn't a 70 millimeter projection at an Arclight theater in L.A. Right. You know, he probably saw it on a regular TV like most people did. Spielberg's, the movies he grew up with, he probably saw on small screens. I'm sure he saw some stuff on big screens, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, absolutely. We fall in love with cinema because of the stories and what they resonate with us, regardless of the screen size. So... I don't like it when people do that thing where they're like, oh, my God, you, you know, like I, and I even do it. Like I tell my daughter, like we were talking about movies the other day because we saw the trailer for Dune 2. And she's like, well, I watched Dune and she watched it on a laptop. And I'm like, you didn't watch Dune, uh, you know, but, you know, she did. And if yeah. the story and everything was good enough, it wouldn't have mattered. But it is a different experience seeing yep. it on a bigger screen like Jurassic Park. If you like the story and everything, it will the story will resonate just as much on an iPad as it will in a theater, but it is a different experience seeing yeah. it on a theater. Just like a roller coaster is different if you watch it on YouTube versus going and riding the roller right. coaster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I think that the most important part of anything is the content and what it does to you and stuff like that. And then obviously, like, you know, but in terms of the home theater experience. Yeah. You know, as long as one isn't so, you know, again, the disparity isn't right. too big. I'd still say audio probably adds 
because it's so visceral, like you feel it, it adds stuff, it, you know, there's, there's so much to it, you, you yeah. know, that, uh, I know, and I love video, but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The audio. that's why yeah. I thought it'd be great to ask you. I'm like, you're, I mean, you're so into video bo- oriented, you're caliber. Yeah. yeah. You're video oriented, but you, I mean, it's, but sound, it's just, it's so important. And I, I think, I mean, uh, it, you know, 4k hdr all of this our television our displays are getting better so it is it's creeping up there but i still don't think it's more important than i mean and it and if you get to the points that like we're at i feel like now i'm trying to get them even right yeah. but early on it's like one's going to be a clear leader but like we said earlier you don't even know the difference anymore and yes yeah, i'm on the opposite started, side of that yeah, I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum now. So, you know, when I got into this, obviously you're always chasing the next thing and chasing yeah. the next thing. And I honestly feel like I'm getting now to the point where my system in both audio and video is so good now that like, so yeah. next, you know, September is Cedia. And I used to always just like, oh, you know, the the home theater, sh- you know, expo's coming up. What's going to be the next thing that I want to get? And now I get there and I'm just mm-hmm. like, everything is so good that i i'm just like nothing is really going to do you know anything any different anymore and stuff like that so now it's just to sit back and enjoy it because it's like yeah i could change that but it's really not going to take that much difference and stuff like that so you know i kind of do miss the days of like you know you know pining for that next thing and stuff but um uh there's a song that i always like that at the end um it had this little thing like going on in the background and it says that uh, when all of your wishes are granted, all many of your dreams will be destroyed. And I, I think that's a, yeah. you know, a perfect analogy for that. Like if you're starting off in a hobby and especially one that you can just keep on, you know, getting better and better, you know, if you get everything that you want, you know, and stuff like that, then, yeah. then you're just there. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing to look forward to because, and, right. I, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, you know, like I, I love going up in my theater room, but I do kind of miss the days where I was like, Ooh, oh, what's that? You know, yeah. and, you know, oh, yeah. and stuff like that. So I got another yeah. one for you. Springsteen, Badlands. Yeah. Poor man yeah. wants to be rich. Rich man wants to be king. King ain't satisfied till he rules everything. Yeah. That's human nature, right? You're always chasing the next thing, the upgrade, the next improvement. Yep. And you're right. It's like, we're getting to the point where it's, it's getting harder and harder in home theater. And I think for me, I think the next best thing is going to be the deliverability of the content and yep. being able to get more, you know, the systems themselves, you can have an almost not perfect, but for, it's within all of our reach. Not like it yep. was in the nineties where it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a big screen, yep. you know, and yep. now everything's within reach. So um, well, I was just boil it back down to why did I get yeah. into this in the first place? It's because I love watching movies and yeah. listening to music. So now I don't have to sit there and think about the process. I just think about the result and just sit back and yeah. like, yeah, I don't need to tinker with this. The whole point was to watch the movie and I've gotten to the point where just focus on that and sit back and enjoy, you know, like, yeah. So. And, and to your, to your point about Spielberg and them and trying to get people to, we've got to preserve that, you know, the theater and, and everything. It's like, but you're right. You can't, you can't force that on people. We, I know I watch star Wars a million times on HBO on a 20 inch television right. and the entire time 
I was thinking, and it, it didn't exist. Home theater wasn't a thing yet. I mean, it was, yeah. but for the extremely rich, super rich. Yeah. Right. It, and it's like, and what did it do? Is it, 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 it forced you to come up with a way to recreate that experience of going to the movies. Right. Yeah. And that's, and I think, and, and I've said it to my listeners, I'm like, you know, Spielberg's and, and Nolan's and all of these people, they're creating art. And I said, I think I said to you earlier, I'm like, our theaters are a piece of art. We're trying to figure out, I think this was before we started recording. It's like, you're shopping for houses. It's like, where can I put a theater? And you're, you're trying to cr- jam something in that isn't supposed to be there. Yeah. And it's, it, it's the artistic, the creative thinking that gets that uh, done. Right. And it's, you know, guys like, you know, Jim Peterson, like, hmm, I got a problem here. He's an engineer, but it's like, I can solve this. It's, it's the creativity of like, how can I duplicate what we are supposed to be seeing and stuff? And it's, I think that's what's so much fun and interesting. And that's what this, to me, that's what this hobby is about. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Um, we got through it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really looking, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks for having me on. And obviously, anytime you want to chat about home theater stuff, well, let me know. Yeah. Maybe we can make it happen again without any kind of uh, issues. That's and a, stuff. Are you going to Cedia this year? I am not. Uh, well, <gasps> I, I'm, I would say I'm, 90, time I'm going. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like 95% sure I'm not. I, oh. It would be one of the first ones I've missed in a long time. But um, I'm going to be out in Colorado like two weeks before it because I'm I'm moving my daughter back into uh, the dorms in college. So I'm already going to be out there. I've already worked and stuff like that. And I'm just, I'm not really expecting anything where I'm like, I need to be there for that. You know, I I feel like this year is going to be a little bit more of the same. Um, You know, there's no new formats. (laughs) There's no new, you know, whatever. So yeah. I, I always have a good time. I, I usually look at CD as an opportunity to kind of um, see friends that I, you know, like in yeah. this industry that I get to see very often, but having where I'm going to literally just be out there just a little bit before, I, right. I, I don't know, justify another trip, but who knows? It might change, you know, we'll see. But as of right now, in my mind, I'm pretty sure I'm not going. I know you're doing uh, my buddy, Travis, his, he just bought a Lumigen. And you're doing okay. his system, so say hi to him for me. I don't know if you're going to his house or if you're doing it remotely. Uh, Where's he? Travis, out by you. He's out in the Seattle area. Yeah, Travis. Oh, if he's Ballstat. out by here, I'm probably doing it at his place. Nice. Yeah, he just got a he just got a Lumagen. He asked me about them and stuff. He's been on the show. He works. Uh, he does a lot of stuff. He'll be at CD and stuff. Travis Ballstad. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I told him. Uh, uh, yeah, reach out and we'll get it figured out. And he said he'll be in touch soon. And I haven't heard back since. Okay. Uh, he said something. I thought he said you were coming out in a couple of weeks. So it was coming in. Maybe he's waiting for it to come in. The Lumen I don't know. So, but yeah, yeah it sounds like we're going to be working at some point here soon. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's excited. He's excited. So, all right. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. All of Chris's stuff is in the show notes. Uh, it's awesome. Thank you. Everybody, uh, and you know what you got to do? Go push play. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, Fred. This has been a Hey, Fred production with theme music by Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions.